Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, Star Trek's and Mailbag Edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. So much yeah. to cover in this one. Uh, what I'm sure is a huge, heavy mailbag filled with hard-hitting questions that are going to take so, a lot of sort of in-depth response from each of us. Yeah, 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 definitely. For sure, definitely. And then also sure. the, uh, the critical project of our time. The dumb Star Trek project we do where we pit yeah, the episodes one that we don't against each other for, for no reason. Right. Yeah. We just have to describe the entire premise. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Because last week's mailbag was so anemic that even playing Sea of Thieves, we could only stretch it to 40 minutes. <laughs> we, uh, most of that we're was... We're just doing mailbags was, as part of the Star Trek episode now. Most of that was just like, I can't believe that fucking ship hasn't sunk yet. That was... <laughs> That was what we were doing. It wasn't a lot of mailbag. I'm sure it's garbage, but I'm a full week behind on my podcast, so I haven't listened to it yet. I'll never listen to it. Refuse. Well, you're going to listen to this, I'm sure. Yep. But uh, let's just fucking, let's just dive in. Mailbag! By brother date. First piece of mail is from you. You uh, retweeted Chris Gross, who posted... Uh, Okay, you can only write with one type of pen for the rest of your life. Which one are you picking? And then put a picture of seven pens on the screen. Yes. This one got some traction. Came up in my fountain pen groups. Oh, good. <laughs> so well, the, the, you tweeted, the seventh I know you one have is opinions. Yes, the seventh one is trolling. The seventh yeah, one is that sure. nasty old big piece of shit that just that's always laying around somewhere. Yeah, the pens are in order. Uh, Uniball Vision, uh, Pilot V5, might be a V7, I can't see. Uh, Sharpie S-Gel, a pen I had never used and Ooh. don't know anything about. <clears throat> a Uniball Vision Elite, so it's odd that he's got both of them in there. Mm. Yeah, he just grabbed uh, a bunch Pilot of pens G2. off his desk or whatever. Yep, and the those uh, Papermate felt tip pens. Yep. I don't know what the name of those are. And then number seven, as you said, is a Bic crystal. Yeah. Uh, which is obviously trolling. And, um, like, I do have hot opinions, right? All right, let's I do it. Fountain pens. Sure. The five fountain pens I have inked right now are a Moonman C4, mm. a Platinum Plazier, a Jinhao X450, an online slope, and a Twisby Precision. <laughs> I mean, but, those all came out of an AI generator for sure, but go on. <laughs> yeah. Those aren't even my favorites. They're just the pens that I hadn't used. They the also longest. aren't among the ones that he listed as your options. No, 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 no. So, um, yeah, use any of the first six. They're all good. <laughs> Boo. I like, that listen, you're gonna I'm give sorry, us but the, the hot facts. 
both versions of the Uniball Vision are great pens. The Pilot V5 is real good. The um, the G2 also a great pen. I don't know about the Sharpie S gel. Someone on our fountain pen on the fountain pen Reddit said that was also a good pen. Okay. And I like those Papermate felt tip pens. They wear out. That's kind of a problem. Is that the the felt tips get a little squished eventually? Uh, yeah. But until they do, they kind of write on every surface, and they're good pens. I have a <clears throat> a Mister Pen felt tip pen right now in my hand uh-huh. and i feel like it's been shitty from the beginning well that's a shame so mr pen clean Eat up your act dick. buddy not wow you? you have to be so aggressive i was just you know putting him on notice yeah, yeah. a little bit just clean up your act Mr. Pen. um on the 28th ryan wrote in sea of thieves uh we got him playing sea of thieves with us last week yeah it was fun it was a good time. Um, it was fun so, because everything went wrong, and that's that's how oh, yeah. that's how the fun gaming works. We got <clears throat> eaten up by a kraken and sunk by some other pirates. And it's a good time. Ryan was having audio issues the entire time, <laughs> so he knew even lo- even more than us. He was confused about what also was his first session, mm-hmm. so it was a real wild outing for him. Uh, he also apparently had listened to the last podcast because he tweeted, what is this wild outing that had you fighting off one ship after another? Good yeah. grief. Yeah, we ran into a skeleton fleet. Yeah, if you, um, sometimes there's like a world event skeleton fleet in the sky. and Sometimes they just kind of snore out of the waves pop, at you. Pop up and get you. Yeah, and then uh, <clears throat> often if you sink one. It's just more around the corner until the uh, big old captain. In this case, it was Vicious Vic. Until the captain and his ship show up. And then you sink that one and then you win the event or you you finish the little deed or whatever. And you get you get a chance to actually pick up some of that treasure that you probably were not able to collect for the other ships you sunk. Because you were constantly under attack. He also wrote in, uh, I liked the realistic-ish mechanics of damage below the waterline being more effective. Yeah. Uh, I learned today, Matthew, that um, there are like three tiers of damage yeah, at each location. Big old, dam- big old holes that take forever to board up and let a lot more water yeah. in. And then you can also have tiny little ones, too, that are quick to board up and don't let as much water in. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, yeah, the damage mechanics are complicated. Uh Sometimes you go down real quick. Yeah. He uh, says he feels like the movement dynamics are not very smooth, at least compared to Call of Duty. No, it's um, uh, trash. The like, no, it's a very, very different game compared to Call of Duty. Yeah, it's uh, the worst part of the game is like the, the actual pirate-on-pirate action. Not the ship-on-ship, but the when you get boarded or meet a dude on an island or something. That's very clunky and bad. <clears throat> or maybe I just feel that way because I am the worst at that. Of all I mean, the aspects of the game. It's not a skill that we practice, really. Yeah, I'm the the worst at fighting off borders and boarding enemy ships and stuff like that. So maybe that's why I feel that way, but I, I've definitely always felt it was super clunky. McClunky. He has a question, he has a question for you, Matt. He asks, um, I would like a little more backstory on the Mondor. How did you acquire it? <clears throat> I paid 375,000 golds for it. And it's a beautiful and brig. Name. And the name, of course, is the name of the uh, pack-led ship in the episode called Samaritan Snare. Samaritan Snare. The guy 
Jordy says he's from the Enterprise or whatever. Or no, they introduce themselves on the view screen as being from the Enterprise. And he says, my ship is the Mondor. And it's like, that's such a good name for a ship. And then he says that this is his friend, Reginald. (laughs) And to close out the mailbag, Ryan asks, how do you fire a cannon when you're on a sloop by yourself? Suddenly realizing I have so many questions, I would much rather you answer on air instead of Googling them. Well, anybody uh, can fire a cannon. You just run down from the wheel and go fire the fucking cannon. Yeah. I mean, that's all there is to it. You can, Anyone can fire a cannon anytime. It's just, yeah, the, there's no one manning the ship. So you have either <clears throat> left it going straight into safe water, open water. You're in some kind of dumb turn. You, like, turn the wheel and left so that you're spinning around, hopefully around the enemy. Or, you know what? Sometimes you're just running into shit. Yeah, Sometimes it's frantic shit. and you got attacked in a bad spot where you're not really in open water and you're just kind of running into shit the whole time you're trying to fight the bad guys and board up your ship. So, uh, But solo slooping is tough, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you're immediately at a disadvantage against anyone who's two, anyone whose crew is two men or higher. And uh, um, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm necessarily good enough at the game to not be at a disadvantage against solo sloopers either, so... <laughs> I've read that solo slooping is the least disadvantaged you can be if you're down a crew member. Apparently, two man brig is even worse, Sucky. and three man galleon is almost impossible. We know two man brig sucks because we've done it a couple of times, and it was like, mm, it's not. Everyone's full focus is on navigation, and it's very easy to be surprised and yep. hard to fight and stuff like that. Um. Do you get any any good Sea of Thieves in lately? I know no. we played two nights ago. No, I haven't played since we last played. Well, you were, I, but you, uh, I know you've been playing. Yeah, I did a little solo slooping this afternoon for sure. Um, and you got all volcanoed. I got volcanoed pretty good during the middle of a ghost ship run. I had Skelly Galleons chasing me pretty much the whole time I was playing today. <laughs> nice. Um. Those are tough I to fight I don't really want to fight solo. Yeah. Because they take so much damage that, like, you're inevitably going to have to go down and make, make repairs, and they're going to put more mm-hmm. cannonballs in you while you're making repairs, and it's just hard to get back on the offensive. And I was mostly fucking around in the Devil's Roar because a lot of other players stay out of there because it's dangerous. And yeah. uh, it's a bad place to, to be fighting. Yeah. Yeah. You can get um, hit yeah. by a big old flaming rock. While you're, while you're trying to shoot somebody else, like I was telling you, a skeleton with a bag full of money popped up out of the earth on one of the islands I was on and started running away from me. And I managed to get one bullet in him before he dove again, and I got 149 of the premium <laughs> currency. <laughs> so weird. And I was like, okay, didn't know that was in this game. I did not know either. Uh, I hope they just keep adding more and more stuff like that, so that it's like it's every like time those, you play um, Skyrim, you run into a new thing. I want it's kind of like those weird game. little uh, gimme ghouls in the new Pokemons. Uh, yeah, except those guys are fucking everywhere. They are all I've been over. running into those motherfuckers all over the place. That's right, I've been playing the Pokemon game. Good. It's easy, because it's Switch, so if I'm, if I'm watching Living Single or whatever, I can just... I can throw on the, uh, <clears throat> the Pokemon so, so Scarlet. You don't put the care and energy into living single that you do into our Star Trek project? No. 
No, and I guess we should get to that. It's week 119. It is week 119. I named this week, week Deep Space Nine. Insidious Goop. Insidious Goop. Uh, I named it Bluetooth. Okay. So. I mean, is that because I mean, you were hoping that one of the ships would have technology as advanced as Bluetooth? Well, I just felt like the little thing Rudy's sticking on his neck looks like a Bluetooth headset, but it, you know, like. But it's also the. Uh, but met several years before there was such a thing. VR. Yeah. Or whatever. It lets him go to the beach and have fantasies about a woman he just met and is currently torturing. Anyway. It's good stuff. Before we can talk about Voyager, we have to talk about the worst episode uh, last week. The worst series last week, which was Deep Space Nine. Yeah. This week we watched Blaze of Glory. That's not right. I got to play the whole bad theme. Do it. We usually don't have to play this. It's it's no. mostly Voyager. Oh, God. Okay. <clears throat> Nog complains to Jake and Ben Sisko about the Klingons that are always hanging out on the station, disrespecting him. Ben says he should stick up for himself. Fucking B-plot. I hate it when they start with the B-plot. That is rough. Martok, of all people, brings in a decoded message from some Maquis lady to uh, Michael Eddington about launching missiles at Cardassia. Um, I guess there's some big revenge play by the Maquis who uh, were wiped out by the Jem'Hadars. Either we learn now or we already learned. I cannot remember. It definitely seems like it happened off screen. I think it happened off screen and we already saw the Voyager episode about it, so it's hard to remember what we've seen in ds9 at this point um cisco and martok are worried that this may finally kick off the big bad space war that's been simmering out here for years because you know cardassia gets wiped then the jemadar have an excuse to do something anyway credits uh cisco needs um he needs help figuring out how to find these dang old missiles so he goes to see his old buddy eddington who's in jail uh, looking like he's on one of those aquiel stations yeah you didn't mention this he's on regular one for sure uh you didn't mention this but martok come when he came in did say we did do a whoopsie we uh mm-hmm. we gave the maquis uh 30 cloaking, class devices. Four cloaking devices yeah <clears throat> we thought they put him on ships maybe they put him on missiles blah 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 uh, Cisco tries to convince him to help, but Eddington is just so sad about all the Maquis beefing it at the hands of the Jem'Hadar, and he ain't saying nothing to nobody. Cisco though, uh, calls Kira and says, um, he's going into the Badlands in his runabout, and he's gonna, gonna stop those missiles, but, uh, don't worry, he ain't alone, he's got help, and he turns around and Eddington's there, so I guess also off screen. He's talked Eddington into helping him. Except then, we find out that he didn't. In that first scene, you can see the handcuffs on Eddington, but no one calls attention to it. Nope. Uh, Eddington yammers on and on about the dead Maquis, and then he points out that he did not agree to help. He was just dragged along. 
And Eddington drops that Cal Hudson got shot up by the Cardis a while back. You remember Cal Hudson. It's from season one. It was a real disgrace to the uniform. Yeah. Uh, more arguing about Dead Maquis. Uh, our warships track the runabout in the Badlands. I guess they just hang out in there now? <laughs> I'm confused about the Badlands. They like it there. The light is very warm. It's just that... Uh, we'll talk about it later. Um, Cisco refuses to do anything to stop these Jem'Hadar as a way of making Eddington uh, get involved in this fight. He's going to sit there and maybe they'll get blown up or maybe Eddington will save them. He like orders a rock to Gino and waits for Eddington to jump into action. And that works. Eddington saves him from the Jem'Hadar. He also says he intends to kill old Ben. Um, the Jem'Hadar come back for more later and Eddington convinces Cisco to... Uh, go do a culvert starburst on these fuckers. Mm-hmm. They even talk about how they're going to have to shut down the things and regulate the things. You know, the things they talked about in the first duty. Um, Yeah, it was weird when Picard popped up in the corner of the screen and said, Ignite the plasma. <laughs> That's what he's trying to do. Man, so many more points if his, if his head, his spectral head had just appeared somewhere behind saying that. Um... Anyway, they succeed, but Cisco's very mad about a bump he got on the head during the thing. This is nothing. It don't matter. Uh, they find the launch site, and it's overrun with Jem'Hadar. Uh, by the way, I'm doing A plot, B plot. Um, oh, sure. They kill a pair of Jem'Hadar and ghoulishly drag their corpses around while triumphant music plays in the background. <laughs> then they see a lot of dead Maquis, and the music gets sad. And so does Eddington. But Cisco keeps him on task. And then they find some more Maquis all holed up, hiding from the Jem'Hadar, including his wife, Rebecca. <clears throat> the wife is helpful enough to get lines and says really loud that there were no missiles. It was just a ploy to get some help evacuating them from this uh, this now Jem'Hadar overrun station. Um, the Jem'Hadar begin to close in. Eddington and Cisco are trying to protect everybody as they get on the runabout, I guess. Right. And uh, Eddington takes a hit and um, decides he's going to sacrifice himself in a blaze of glory. And Cisco goes to help the other Maki escape, and Eddington dies. His dying words Rebecca. A character we only met one minute ago that he never talked about before in any other episodes. It's powerful stuff. Yeah. Then Cisco and uh, I had to check the screen at this point. Dax, for some reason, have a weird chat about Eddington and how, you know, from a certain point of view, he's the most loyal officer Cisco ever served with. Oh boy. B plot. B plot. Klingons are doing Klingon stuff in the bar. Nog is waiting to arrest them for disturbing the peace. Once they get loud enough, he's gonna he's gonna get after them, and he gets his chance. But whoops, he falls over in his seat, and everybody laughs at him. Somehow they can tell he's got a tiny wiener, and that troubles him. Later, he tries to get the Klingons for loitering, and Martok tells him to eat shit. But Nog insists, and Martok says, "Hey, kid, you're all right." Later, Martok and Nog pass each other in the hall and give a respectful greeting, and Kira is like, now I want to do sex with Nog. I'm guessing that's what Nog was hoping. 
was gonna happen. Yeah, maybe. That's why you spent all that time trying to find her ear earring clasp. Yeah. <clears throat> that was the B that was literally the B plot. Just a couple of scenes of Nog being mad that Klingons don't respect him and then that don't worry though, he got the respect right quick. So what was this one about? I don't know. <laughs> there may be something in here about the, this it seems like it's moves. about the character Eddington and they didn't want to go any further than <laughs> yes. that. It's the story of Eddington. It's not really about anything. The whole thing moves around having absolute trust that your enemy is going to do the right thing, even though you, you, the two of you don't agree as to what the right thing is. It's like Cisco fundamentally can't believe that Eddington is going to let a million Cardis get wiped out. Yeah. And Eddington is absolutely sure that when Cisco picks up this ruse, he's going to rescue all the people or whatever. Sure. But like you said, um, I don't think they said anything concrete here, and I'm not sure if it's wise to blindly trust, say, terrorists. Yeah. So, um, uh, it's a two looking at a one for me. What about in 1997? Was it okay to blindly trust a terrorist? We had different feelings about terrorists in those days, for sure. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I had, there's something attractive about a hopeless cause, question mark? Yeah. You know, cool observational stuff. All they can ever get on Eddington is that he wants to be a hero and he'd prefer to go down for a helpless cause. Again, he's Thomas Riker, but they didn't want to reuse Thomas Riker. Um, I mean that's a two. Either that it's it, that is either true about how you feel about the hopeless causes or not, and so what? You know that's not universal. Everyone doesn't think that, and even right. if you did, what is there anything else? Is that it? What does that do for me? So, <clears throat> not much. Is there anything? Matthew, that makes sense to you about the idea that Eddington was the leader of the Maquis? Um, if this is not a personal, if this is, if he's just out there looking for heroism, like, how did he become the leader of this group? Yeah, I guess because he had a plan. He, like, showed up and he was, he was like, I got a, a good idea about how to pull one over on the Federation. And no one else, I think, to that point had a plan. Oh. Uh all those guys were like, we got a bunch of rakes and hoes, so we're going to hit the Cardassians with those things. <laughs> yeah. That's... Like a hose, pr- you can use a hoe as a weapon. Yeah, you can hit them right in the neck. I mean, that's not where you want to hit a Cardi, but like, that's where you hit <laughs> It's a bad choice people. for them, but. Uh, and then, so he had a plan, and they were like, oh, I mean, this guy, this guy should probably just run the show from here on out. I mean, he, you know, he did a good job of tricking Cisco and, uh, that other guy. Yeah, he gave Captain one Starfleet officer the runaround pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> What's that other ship? Well, what was the other ship on that? Hey, I don't remember. <laughs> the one where they the hollow. introduced the... <laughs> yes, where the they had the hollow projectors. Project, the communicators. They have, they've used them at least once since, but it doesn't. They used them in the one Cisco where... Cisco didn't use one to call up Deep Space Nine this week. Where Bashir's sure. dead was like, walked into the cargo bay and went, All right, Julian, I'm not going to tell everyone about your big secret. All about the genetic manipulation. 
Woods. Uh, the Admiral was a What do you mean, please state the nature of the miracle? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God, oh, no. Just like you to tell a, tell a bad joke at a time like this. Anyway, back to the th- crimes that we did. Um, how'd this episode do? Oh, I give it a one in execution. <laughs> okay. It's the uh, it's the worst of the Eddington episodes by far. It's a big old mess. I mean, I could spend like ninety minutes just asking questions about why Cisco did any of the things he did in this episode, and why the Jem'Hadar did any of the things they did in this episode, why the Maquis did any of the things they did in this episode. Just like no one has any clear motivation for anything that they're doing, and uh, it's a real fucking whoopsie. Every dramatic note is wrong. But also, all the lighter notes are also wrong. So. <laughs> and to rewrite what? the Eddington story. So Cisco is like full of respect and admiration for him, but just in the last three minutes of the episode. It's extremely baffling. Because he did it's a whole the... bio weapon just to capture him. It is very much like now that he's dead, Cisco is like, ah. Uh... Everyone's everyone who knows anything about this is gonna remember me as Jean Valjean, just like Eddington wanted him to. And yeah, and by the way, I got totally suckered into rescuing all the rest of these maquis. <laughs> I'm gonna have I to gotta play it off like I'm a great thing. humanitarian now. Uh huh. Exactly. I'm gonna. I gotta start <laughs> setting this bullshit up like Eddington and I had a kind of a different relationship, <laughs> and I'm gonna start with Dax because she's my old buddy and she's not gonna get in my face about it. Also, she's a real gossip, and she'll go around telling everyone about our heartfelt chat about how I really uh-huh. respected Eddington so much. <clears throat> it's so bad. It, everything about her was fucking crazy. But not crazy in a way that I found extremely entertaining. So, just a one. Yep. Um, I don't remember if we liked Eddington's performance in the two previous Cisco apps. His performances, but... I don't think... We did like that if you had been watching the first time, you definitely did not see it coming. Yes, the, the twist 100% worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think it worked this time. No. Maybe different directors, whatever. Also, the plot is very contrived. Like, everyone is taking the biggest risks with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, will Eddington help? Like, what if Cisco had just fucked off <laughs> when he said, I'm not helping you? And then, uh, what's Eddington's whole plan now? <laughs> Get killed by the Jem'Hadar, I guess. And he says, well, then I would have volunteered. But, like, what would you have had him call call back oh, up to yeah. the ship? You know what I mean? Like, uh, actually, jail, bud. Uh, what actually, do you think the plan actually, is? I could use my one phone call to... Uh... Uh, I changed my mind, and I would, yes, I would very much like to come along. Thank you. And it, uh, and then ultimately, none of it seems necessary, because I I feel like Cisco probably would have just risked a mission to go and pick up the Maquis survivors without all of this posturing and fake weapons nonsense. Like, maybe maybe Eddington's plan really was to get Cisco in on this, and then he's going to kill Cisco at the end. Yeah. But, um, but what if Cisco had brought the Defiant? How did Eddington know that the Defiant would attract too much attention in the Badlands and the Jem'Hadar <laughs> would be after it? The Defiant cloaks. I How know. did he know? Yes, well, that's one of the many questions I had is why not bring the ship to cloaks? What if What if he rolled up there and Cisco's like, all right, you're coming with me. And then I got up there <clears throat> and Worf was just sitting on him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Just like watching his every move. Watching him like the way he watched Garrick the time Garrick came along. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, he got up there and then uh, Cisco's like, here, put on this ugly ass leather jacket. And <laughs> then they got they got to where they were going and the leather jacket was Odo the whole time. That's oh, right. No. Yeah. Like a season one special when they still did transform effects. Yeah, exactly. When they p- were willing to pay for that instead of just having Odo come in and say, by the way, the other guy linked with me. We weren't doing any of that. <laughs> we couldn't show it this we, week. You don't understand. This was a real filler episode and the budget was was extremely low. We spent all of it on outdoor filming. And um, so, you know, uh, but we totally linked. It happened. We were both gooey and uh, our thoughts uh, became one, I guess. And um, so now I know everything. Uh, the B story with Nog and Martok has cute moments because, at least in my case, I like seeing Martok act differently than Worf. Like, I uh, hear this Klingon doesn't have a stick up his butt. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I will, um, we'll talk about it later, but this did this episode seemed to be uh, that Martok's all right. Martok's yes. a good guy. He's not a jerk like some of those Klingons. From his performance um, when he walks in and he's genuinely embarrassed and bummed out about what happened with those cloaking devices. Yes, which exactly. most Klingons we've been told would not give two shits about that. No, it doesn't and then, seem like it. You know, his uh, uh, "you're all right, kid" for sticking up to a big old Klingon warrior like me, gosh, and all that stuff. Yeah, this episode seemed to, the B plot was like, or I guess every part that Martok was in was like, Martok's a pretty good guy, right? Um, but it doesn't have just doesn't do anything for the A plot, no. except maybe to uh, call attention. It's like, well. There's too much shit going on. I've got too much shit on my face right now. And so we're getting rid of the Maquis and Eddington. Like, literally, <laughs> we're right. cutting them out now. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah, this is part of why. Look, Martok is a regular now. And yeah. we brought Nog back. Surprise, surprise. Nog is suddenly back and he's on the station every week now. Yeah, again, of all the Remember shows. Remember when he went to the Academy? Well, he doesn't have to do any <laughs> classes, I guess. This one ends up with the most recurring and regular characters. Yeah. There's just, like... By the end, the roster is like there's, we're following like fifty characters around. Yeah, so, so they're like no more, no more Maquis, no more Eddington. By the way, by the way, uh, Cal Hudson died yeah, on yeah, screen. Yeah, never going to see him again. I hope you weren't expecting any kind of divided loyalty shit with um, so uh, Cisco's girlfriend. Why have I Cassidy suddenly Yates. forgotten her name? Yeah. Cassidy Yates. I know she was working with the Mock. Doesn't matter. She the hasn't Mach-y even been in gone. it lately, man. She ain't, she ain't getting yeah. a lot of lines. So they were like, we're looking oh, we're, Cal we're Hudson. The fat, he, uh, and, he, no, I remember why. him. Cal Hudson, he got shot in the butt and died. Uh, it's embarrassing. <laughs> and uh, also. He went um, out like a real chump. I hope nobody shoots me. Also, oh no, I got shot. It's me, Michael Eddington. Oh, Rebecca. Anyway, this one was definitely another miss for me. I'm uh, giving it as many as two okay. for execution. Um, well, I will point out that's twice as many as I gave, which seems crazy, but. <laughs> That is true. I doubled you up. What about world building? Uh, I mean, we see some, we get some stuff about the Federation prison system. He talks about going to counselors and rehabilitation seminars or whatever. I think he said they had to go to the Zoom, had to go to a Zoom room and there would be breakout sessions. <laughs> yeah, I think he also said uh, something about how uh, a woman with dark hair was kind to him once and she called herself a counselor too. Yeah. um... (laughs) Oh, man. If Roga Danar had just fucking popped up in the middle of this. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) 
And it's just like, hey, guess who we found fucking around with the Maquis? Rogadane. Hey, I got the I got Angoja in order. We're ready to be in the Federation now. It's me, President Rogadanar. It's me, President Rogadanar. <laughs> I cleaned up our act. and uh, Don't worry, I am still haunted by the things I saw. <laughs> They're very nasty, but also I will very much break your neck. So uh, anyway, if you want to send me and my boys after the Jem'Hadars, we are, uh, we are ready. We're ready to go. We're genetically manipulated and all, probably brainwashed. Brainwashed and all kinds, and of, all kinds of shit. I'm telling you to your face just because you deserve the straight dope about me. I got you demons. Mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how many of you guys there are, and if you talk to each other, I did. I ran into Picard once. Anyway, Rogadena. <laughs> uh, Klingon aid to the Maquis. This week, for maybe the first time ever, replicated food may not taste good. I don't know what to say, man. I mean, I don't know what. Like, you can't do that in season five of Deep Space Nine. You fucking. Like, you can't suddenly be like, oh, by the way. Every time everybody replicated something on the Enterprise, it didn't taste like anything. It was just the same recombined proteins, and it didn't taste like chicken or any goddamn thing. I know Riker said we eat something as fresh and tasty as meat, but he was lying. <laughs> he was a bad... The thing you have to remember about Riker is he thought he was a good cook, but he wasn't. He wasn't at all, yeah. I mean, Cisco claims the Rock Gino's pretty good, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and everything he says that whole time, he's like, it's just protein particles and, like, carbohydrates. And Marja and I looked at each other and we were like, isn't that just food? Yeah, like, I think it's just food is, though, bud. I think he's describing food. <laughs> I'm not gonna eat your carbohydrates! <laughs> uh, anyway, the end of the Maquis is some world building. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave it four, because I don't think... I don't think we learned it. I, it actually kind of feels like the Maquis was a dead end. That's how they, they felt. It looks like that's how they felt. They get about three or four episodes in TNG, and then they get, I don't know, three or four in Deep Space Nine, and it's mm-hmm. just like, ah, that wasn't actually anything. Well, and then they're like, oh, this, this is going to be big. It'll make half the Voyager crew Maquis, and then they forgot. They just straight forgot yeah. that that was a thing. Um. Yeah, they did. I agree. It's a four. Um. Again, all the Maquis get killed off screen by the Jem'Hadar, except for these few stragglers. The Jem'Hadar patrol the Badlands now. I'm not sure how that works, since that always seemed like Federation space. At least, they were always sending ships in there. Like, all the time. They are always just Federation ships just hanging out in the Badlands. Like, Cassidy Yates is doing her cargo runs through there, and fucking... I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just... But now it's what, Jem'Hadar territory? I don't understand. Yeah, it might have been, like, international waters. It didn't seem like the Cardassians owned it for sure, but maybe the Federation also didn't. Maybe. Anyway. It's not where the Maquis planets were. They were just using it as base, as a base, Yeah, because right? it was all, uh, you know, wibbly in there. So they'd go in there it's to... It's fucking... It's a bunch of fire tornadoes. It's not, like... It's not great. It's like Kansas, but worse. That's right. <laughs> it is. That's actually how they describe it in the... Season. In the writers... In the show Bible? In the show Bible, yeah. Um... The Klingons helped the Maquis against the Carters, gave them cloaking devices and shit. On DS9, you can still be arrested for things like loitering and disturbing the peace. That's not crazy, but I had no idea what the rules are on DS9, so. Oh, uh, yeah, I will, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Characterization. <clears throat> Nog likes squid. Yep. He's very upset about how Klingons treat him. I guess he gets good treatment from the Federation and Bajoran crew, which is surprising to me because everyone is so mean to Ferengi. 
Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe a bunch of people overheard Quark yelling at Cisco one time, and they were like, he's making points. Yeah, he's actually making pretty <laughs> yeah, good they, points. This is all very true. Uh, they're not. Yeah, they'll cheat you. They'll cheat you in a contract for sure, but they actually, they're not warlike. They're not killing people yeah. out there. and They want to make commerce happen. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, he takes Cisco's advice and stands up for himself, and he gets the respect that he craves. Jake hates Ethiopian food. I just replaced Ferengi. <laughs> so you could see how it sounds. Uh-huh. Eddington would rather everybody get blasted to death than help Cisco. Of course he's Canadian. Oh, yeah. When he said that, I went, fuck, of course, I know. So, no surprise there. Yes, you are Canadian. You're like, I could ah, tell. he is from Alberta, though. You're, you're not wrong. That dude's from Alberta. Uh, he is married, and I guess he dies in a blaze of glory. Those are his character notes here. This episode is just to show us that Martok is a cool dude. As I already described. Cisco does a full fucking reversey and now loves him some Eddington. Can't get enough yeah, Eddington he's... now that he's dead. He's the most loyal man he ever knew. <laughs> what does <laughs> it mean? Yeah, just not to me or the people I work for. Um, right. I gave it a three. Um, I don't really understand what I don't understand what happened in this episode. Well, we're gonna end this. Uh, we're gonna end this episode just one point apart because I also gave it a three for characterization. Nog is sick of being tiny, and he negotiates it by going after a Klingon general of all people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he also has an opportunity to learn that. All loitering ordinances are selectively enforced and do better with it than Odo did with him and Jake, but um Nope. <laughs> Just uses an excuse to, you know, do his own thing. Just like waiting for somebody to get their volume to seventy degree uh seventy decibels so he can haul them away. Uh so he has not he didn't learn anything from Odo's pretty unfair treatment of him. Yeah. Uh it is know, too bad. Odo was mad at his uncle and <laughs> When Nog was, I don't know, nine. I don't know how time works. but uh, It is a mystery on this show. <laughs> Odo was pretty shitty to him, and he learned nothing from that, and he's not going to do any better now he's on security here, huh? That's right. Uh, Jake is nothing. Martok is encouraging his troops to get traumatic brain injuries. But as always, he's telling them they're not headbutting each other hard enough. But as always, uh, he is the Klingon with a sense of humor. Yeah. Um, for the main event, Cisco is so sure that he's right about Eddington that he walks right into what must have been intended to be a Maki trap, right? Eddington didn't know that Jem'Hadar were going to fucking be there. So this was a trap for Cisco, laid oh, yeah. for Cisco, and he walked right into it. Again, and fooled by Eddington for the way 50th where they go, time. It's a trap, and then the other guy goes, let's spring that trap. <laughs> no. No, not yeah. like that. Just in the way that Eddington <laughs> has fooled him every single time. Yeah, no, he was just going to rock up on that station, and there would be a hundred Maquis there. Yep. Yep, for sure. Um, he's also so overconfident that even when they run into a bunch of Jem'Hadar bug ships in the Badlands, he still carries on alone in his runabout. Maybe four hours from Deep Space Nine with 11 <laughs> days left on the ticking clock. <laughs> like, 
He could have gone back and got reinforcements now that he knew the Jem'Hadar were literally hanging out right by the place they were going. Yeah, it's true. That but would no. definitely be a time to turn around and go get that to go get that Defiant. <laughs> or the three ships that are constantly orbiting outside Deep Space Nine in every uh, establishing shot now. Yes, maybe one of those. As like well. roll roll up there with one of that Excelsior or whatever that's hanging out there. Yeah, although I'm not anyway. sure I would trust an Excelsior against a couple of Jem'Hadar bug ships at this point. Well, it's, he, it's big. It'll give him something to run into. Yeah. Uh, Eddington also turns out to be playing a long con, also very overconfident. And yet neither of them learns a lesson. Uh, Eddington dies, believing that his plan would have worked perfectly if the Jem'Hadar hadn't shown up. And then Cisco gets out of there and goes back to tell Dax that Eddington is the most loyal man he knows. So, weirdly, two men yelling at each other in a runabout doesn't end up being very character-rich. Yeah. Yeah. Like... Your bottle shows are supposed to be where the character work gets done because you can't do anything else. But yeah, they but that bottle really scene, a good job. I mean, they think they thought they were writing something good. That's the thing that I, I think I come away with out of these Eddington episodes is they thought they've created a great, a rich character in uh, in Michael Eddington. And uh, they did they did not do that. <clears throat> Let's Mission do Les Miserables. Yeah, but uh, people tell who watch everyone, TV though. don't know what happens in Les Miserables. <laughs> What's to, well, we'll tell them. We'll tell them. We'll make Cisco read it. We'll bring it up. He can read every, some of it out loud, probably. Every other scene, we'll have someone talk about it directly, and that way you'll know what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, they thought they were doing something, but like you, I, I didn't think they accomplished much. Yeah. All right, well, quick ones, then. <sighs> sure, yeah. Um, Jake sucks, huh? Yeah, <laughs> he should be less grossed out about a puree of tube grubs that he already knows tastes good. Yeah. Also, because tube grubs are Nog's favorite food. Yeah. But I guess their relationship was always kind of one way. Jake's gonna civilize Nog and teach him to read and stuff. He's not out trying Ferengi shit. No. Nope. Anyway, he sucks. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, Marjan watched this episode. And I don't know. I don't think it's been that long since she's seen a Deep Space Nine, but maybe she hadn't seen Jaco in a while, but she was like, why is Jake so old? And I was like, look, man, <laughs> we're five seasons in, and that kid was 6'5 by the end of season three, so I don't know. Yeah, like, when they cast that kid, they didn't know he was going to be a uh, minute bowl. No, he was like an average to above average height kid, and then just like fucking... Shot up and got real lanky. Super lanky. Crazy lanky. Yeah. And then plus, they also were like, he's 6'8 now, so we should be having him have relationships with older women, (laughs) where they steal his life energy and all (laughs) kinds of stuff, and he dated a Dabo girl. All the underboob and and all that. Let's bring Nog back. And then they were like, oh no, now he seems like a kid again, but an old, sick kid. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, this footage of regular one from Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Uh, the the insert shot even lower quality than the rest of Deep Space Nine for some reason. It's like, did they not have the original footage? Did they just go and get a VHS tape and splice it in? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, the gr- was the, one of the grainiest images I've ever seen on TV. At that point in the episode, the Paramount Plus app was still <laughs> doing a new thing. It was trying a new trick on me where, <laughs> where it expanded everything to widescreen, even though oh. it has just been in Letterbox every other time I've watched it. Not Letterbox, um, 
whatever whenever they keep it in standard def but they right anyway it's like it's like letterbox but vertically or whatever yeah yeah uh and then like halfway through the episode it just uh like paused for a second and, and went back to the the standard definition viewing but at that point in the episode i was still complaining every fucking 10 seconds to marjan about how terrible it looked and how i couldn't watch it and everything looked so white and stupid so i might not have noticed the quality of the regular shot um is Eddington's jacket the worst leather jacket ever depicted on television? <laughs> it's like they're like, and he gets a cool leather jacket. But they like, they didn't go look for a cool leather jacket. They just found whatever they had on site and they didn't have a cool one. What if the whole upper back and the arms down to the elbow were all shoulder pad? Uh, for Maki stuff. Cisco's dumb plan worked 100%. Eddington just agreed suddenly to help deactivate the missiles, but Cisco wasn't suspicious about that at all. No. Because this was a story about two guys who were pretty sure of themselves. Uh, every time we did a close-up of Eddington, I thought he had a face made for alien makeup. Like he would have yeah. made a good Cardassian or Euridian sure. or something. Yeah. Like Give him some something antennae about that or guy's something. Face exactly put something on him give him some goop yeah some insidious goop for this motherfucking guy uh, no, no but I he's, just a, was... he's just a plain old canadian man that's all yeah, they exactly. got i thought it was fun that eddington tried a we've got him surrounded ruse where he was going to pretend there were other people that had the Gemidar pinned down and um they didn't go for it at all no they didn't care like a chump they're like uh i think there might be other guys back there but we're just gonna kill them too it don't matter. Just t- 12 of his last 15 words were a ruse that didn't work. <laughs> and also, I don't think the actor delivered it very well either. Well, he, well, he didn't sell it to, to the Jim Hadar, and he didn't sell it to me. That's right. Um, Best actor. It's a little bit of limited choice this week. I gave it to Cisco, probably. Uh, worst actor. It's got to be Jayco. Jayco's not crushing Jayco. <laughs> Didn't knock it out of the park this week, Jayco. No, he like uh, he does a thing after he complains about all the tube grubs, where he says that uh, when Nox talking about the Klingons, and he is like, he he makes some remark about how the real the real pain is that he always complains about it, but he delivered it so badly, <laughs> like it was such a fucking bad delivery. I couldn't believe they didn't go back for another take on that. Uh, well, you know this this episode was directed by Cyril Lofton. No, nah, I made that up. <laughs> I don't think they ever gave him a. I told you I listened to one half of one episode of Cyril Lofton's podcast where they talk about Deep Space Nine episodes one at a time, and uh, his memory of the episodes is fucking nothing. He had nothing oh, no to add, no inside stories, no like nothing that you would want to maybe listen to an actor on Deep Space Nine talk about. He was always just like, "Oh yeah, no, I remember that guy. Uh, seemed like a nice guy." And like that, be so, <laughs> stick to the Delta Flyers podcast is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. They did. They at least seem to remember a little bit more about what happened behind the scenes. <laughs> well, they were adults when they were filming it. Yeah. Um, my are you done or? Yeah, I'm done. With my only hitters. quick hitter was, um, you know, he goes into that room, and they they both walk into that room, and they kind of. They look around for a minute, and I guess uh, Eddington decides no one's there and starts to move forward, and then Cisco tells him to stop, and then he pulls out his gun real slow, and then he shoots a million times, and then two Jemadar die. Why didn't the Jemadar blast them? What the fuck were those Jemadar waiting for? 
we have orders to watch them for at least a minute. <laughs> it looked to me like they were waiting to get blasted, and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what that was good for. But they just sat there in that room. The guy, they're, Cisco and Eddington are completely exposed. They're just looking around an empty room like, fucking kill them. Yeah. But nah, they waited around to get blasted. Nah, first Agamemnon gave them, <laughs> they had real strict rules of engagement that came down from Weyun 15 himself that said <laughs> they can't shoot unless the, until one of them raises a weapon and then they got complacent because they're like, these two idiots are just going to talk. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. That was my only quick hitter. Yeah, no, they had lots of time to uh, do to something. Pull both of those. Uh, I don't know. Maybe just hide behind some of those barrels. Even like they can't see you. You can walk behind those barrels. I don't know. Maybe they were like, "Let's wait till they go past," because um, our dumb guns are designed to make people bleed out. Do you remember when Munoz or Munoz ble- bled <laughs> out for an hour? <laughs> no one could say it. No one said it the same way twice. Really. They built our guns to inspire fear that it would be painful if you got shot by them. But what actually ends up happening is people shoot back all the time. Yeah, they don't so die even after you even after you shoot them. They don't die right away. So let's just wait till they walk past them. We'll just shoot them in the back. Also, every third one uh, victory is life starts starts screaming out to fake uh, fake colleagues. Oh yeah, that they love that trick. So don't fall for that if anyone does that. <laughs> But yes, victory right. is life very much. Yeah, victory is life. Victory is life. Um, second place last week was Voyager. Yeah. Surprise. Last week we're closing the books on... Uh, well, no, we're, we're starting season six with Equinox part two. <laughs> That's a good theme. You don't usually get to hear that one. That's a nice, that's just a nice song. (laughs) Yeah. After the recap, the Slimers are attacking all decks, and Janeway gets the shields back up by, quote, using a deflector pulse. Yeah, you know. You know about that. (laughs) Don't act like you don't know that. Both Janeway and Chakotay get their faces pretty chewed up. Um... Chuckles has to go to sickbay. Janeway's touring the ship when Neelix hands her the doctor's mobile emitter, which uh, was left behind. Um, Tom Paris is uh, treating the dead and wounded when Janeway reinitializes the doctor. It's the bad doctor. Yeah, it's the bad one. They don't hide it. It's definitely the bad one. It's the bad one, though. She doesn't notice. It's the they evil ne- doctor they never from last week when we saw him walk in and see the other doctor, and we both went, ah, nah, he's going to be an evil doctor. And then he was an evil doctor. Uh, <laughs> they, they never figure out that the bad doctor is on board. I We never see a scene where the good doctor at the end tells them. So <laughs> Maybe they, he keeps it to I himself think... the way Odo keeps uh, changing stuff to himself. Uh, maybe. I don't think they ever knew... Well, he probably doesn't want to tell them what happens if you disable his uh, ethical subordinates. And also, Seven gives him a good idea that for some reason he never thought of, which is in the future. Why don't you like? um, Why don't you lock your program down? (laughs) Shit! Like, hey, yeah, probably should have thought of that. Uh, So yeah, they never figure out that it's the bad doctor. She's talking to Chakotay, who has woken up about how. 
the enemies aren't the aliens, it's uh, Ransom and his dudes, when suddenly there is a harsh smash cut to the sea, just a shoreline and seagulls and everything. Mm. Uh, but that even only lasts a few seconds because we pull back out and it's uh, it's Rudy. It's his synaptic stimulator at work, the thing that I said is like a Bluetooth, but yeah. it, as you said, whatever. Uh Commander Burke brings Seven in to see him, and he offers her a choice of the brig or staying with him and helping his crew. And Seven, of course, chooses the brig, but she's got a little cut, so they take her to sickbay to treat her wounds. And that's where we discover, if we hadn't figured it out, that the real doctor is on the Equinox because, he says, the bad doctor uploaded him there. Mm -hmm. Why? Don't know. Sure. Unclear. Uh, Equinox can't bring their warp engines back online because Seven encoded them. Yeah. And they delete Schmollis's ethical subroutines to get him to squeeze the code out of her brain? Yeah. I thought Meanwhile, part of this was going to be a Seven plot, but she really ain't in this episode. No. She's just there no. saying, she gets I ain't to do a little singing, nothing. And that's it. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Meanwhile, on Voyager... They're, um, they've been working on the Universal Translator. They try to communicate with the aliens, but they aren't having it. Chakotay and Janeway get into an argument. He wants to keep running down that diplomacy route, talk to these guys, rather than break off and chase down the Equinox. Uh, he thinks Janeway's holding a grudge. Uh, he says, Cisco style? <laughs> uh, she says, damn right, he betrayed the uniform. I'll hunt him to the end of the earth. From hell's heart, I stab at thee, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then after that, she says, if you want to call that a vendetta, you go <laughs> right ahead. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty incredible. She gives the textbook definition of a vendetta and then says, if you want to call it a vendetta, I'm not going to stop uh, you. It's a pretty incredible episode. <laughs> Equinox has stopped at a planet with a parthogenic atmosphere. Yes. I which know, I yes. think means that it has the capability to give birth sexually, but it's giving birth asexually. So that's pretty cool. I don't know what that means with, with regard to an atmosphere, but that's <laughs> how they describe it. It's nice. To make repairs. Um, that's a, is, is, that, getting ready. is that planet California? <laughs> Is that is I that mean, the one where they're walking around and it's clearly California and it's just California? Yeah, later they later they beam down and it for sure it's that same park where the uh, Corsairs turned into zeros and attacked uh, <laughs> Sulu or whatever. The one Corsair turned into two zeros. Yep, <laughs> that's my favorite part. Is not only were they not consistent in finding film on the fighters for World War II, but they couldn't even keep the number of fighters consistent. Oh, they were like people will only ever see this episode once and. <laughs> They'll just think, ah, I must have not seen it right the first time. Uh, so good. But yeah, no, it's definitely that same park. They're all like, you know, they're walking around. Uh, I don't remember the guy's name now. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, they say it a bunch of times, too. <laughs> they sure do. His name uh, is... Noah. Noah. Noah Lessing. Lessing, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, walk no, they're walking around and Noah says to some other guy, uh, you know, uh, none of this eucalyptus is native. <laughs> they uh they well they planted it here. They all brought it in. They they wanted fast growing wood for the railroads, but it's too twisted. You can't make a railroad anyway. It's a, <laughs> it's a fun little thing about all these eucalyptus trees you're seeing around you. Uh, but yeah, no. 
Schmalz is getting ready to do uh, irreversible brain damage to Seven. Ransom comes back and tries to talk her out of it one more time, but it's a no-go. Uh, now Chakotay comes to Janeway with another plan. He wants to backtrack 50 light years to find the Ankari. Um, those are the people who summoned the Slimers originally. Yeah. Well, uh, well gins or whatever that they, that they fucking summon. But Janeway uh, had been on the Herogen comm array talking to Data and Troy. And they had reported back that uh, they found a pattern in all of Ransom's previous engagements. Don't stain Janeway with hiding. this. Don't, <laughs> she did a 500% better job than Data and Troy ever did. She did. So she's like, he's going to be hiding. His ship, if they if they haven't got their alien crystals working, his ship can only go warp six and... Um, uh, go look for places it's, where it's, it's hiding. It's all messed up. So... Um, your job, Chakotay, since you keep coming up with other plans, is to uh, go figure out where he's hiding. Where would you hide? There's probably only one place you can hide around here. That's so right. Go find it. That's the good news. When you see it, you'll know it. There's just one. So, Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Ransom has put his uh, synaptic stimulator back on, and he's back on the beach. Uh, but suddenly there's a blonde woman in a pink dress there on the beach, and that spooks him, and he takes it right back off. And as he's leaving his quarters, he uh, he talks to, hold on. Yeah, and she's got a name, too. I remember Maria from last Gilmore. time. There you go. And he says, hey, these programs don't have people in them, right? And she says, nope, just landscapes. And he goes, and yeah, 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 I know. Cool, 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 I know, cool, I know cool. all about that. I, that's what yeah, I was yeah, noting. Yeah, yeah, I looked yeah. in mine, and I said, only landscapes in here, and I just came Nothing out. Nothing in here but rocks and seagull sounds. Just to make so. sure we were on the same page about all the landscapes. There wasn't any people in there. Isn't that weird? No, it's not weird, because as we discussed, not, it's just landscapes. Anyway... I've been walking backwards for the last thirty-five seconds. I'm gonna be as you in my as you said by. down <laughs> down on the planet where Kirk runs into Ruth and uh, maybe Finn again uh, or whatever. whatever you know what's weird? I Irish was so ready for was. TOS to be over, but I would do anything for an insulting Finnegan style appearance <laughs> at this point. Anything TOS style would be a, a welcome sight in this fucking episode. Uh, Ransom's away team gets stunned by Chakotay in Paris, and, uh, and Bad Schmollis calls up to warn Equinox that, uh, Voyager's gonna be waiting for them in ambush. So, it's all hands to battle stations, the two ships engage, they both take damage, Equinox loses all of its weapons, so Ransom flies the ship through the atmosphere. Voyager pursues, although it seems like they could just take a direct course that doesn't go through the atmosphere, mm-hmm. because... Where's yeah. the ship gonna go? Just stay above them. Well, just hang out. They up there. go. Jamway just screams, "Follow them!" And when they go in there, their shields start getting weak, and the Slimers start coming back, so they have to break off. Yeah. Uh, Equinox goes to warp. It'll be a couple hours before Voyager can pursue them again, so she goes to interrogate his men. She threatens to drop the shields around that one specific room and let the aliens come and. Uh, Fuck with up. Noah Lessing. Chew up his face. And then she and Chicote step outside and she just does that. <laughs> yeah. She just drops the fucking force field. Chicote uh, is like, what are you doing? You can't do this. This is a violation of everything you stand for. Then he phasers up and goes in and shoots the aliens, which you have to imagine makes the aliens even less happy with Voyager at this point. Yeah. Like there's going to be a in five minutes, there's going to be a thing where they're like, 
Oh, it's the Equinox that that's been messing with uh, us. Explain okay, to well, me why we'll you shot you me go. in the head. Me, it was me. I popped my head through, and you shot me yeah. right in the head. It was weird. We watched you put the shields down, and then when we came through, you came in and shot us. So, are you playing games? What's <laughs> going on with that? Yeah. Anyway, um. Once Chicote pulls Noah Lessing out, he asks him about the Ankari, and it turns out there's a ship of theirs less than two light years away. I will remind everyone at this point mm. that after after uh, Equinox discovered this technology, got this technology from the Ankari, and discovered that you discovered that you could turn the aliens into Folgers crystals to make your warp really fast, they jumped uh, ten thousand light years. Mm. But there is an Ankari ship two light years away. Yeah, 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 right. Uh, I don't understand what the problem is. Maybe, maybe you can explain uh, why wouldn't they be they, there? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, they go do a briefing about that, and then after the briefing's over, Janeway pulls Chakotay up and says, uh, "Don't ever oppose me like that again. You let that man die next time. You're relieved of duty." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, remember last week contact. when she said all that stuff about how she'd never ever never compromise her principles primary. yeah exactly exactly and then fucking it's been 40 minutes in universe like in the show and she's just like fucking throw them out the airlock all of them space them all <laughs> she really just um you know she wouldn't she wouldn't be an evil character the way she is if she had any um any self-awareness, I guess. and uh, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they find the Ankari ship, but it won't answer their hail, so they put it in a tractor beam. And then under duress, the Ankari agree to summon the Slimers so Jamie can talk to them. Uh, the Slimers want the Equinox. And finally, Jen was like, yeah, I'll let you have them. Will <laughs> we catch, if you stop attacking us, I'll let you kill them all. Uh, <laughs> Tuvok objects. Suffer. Tuvok objects to this, but, you know, he doesn't yeah. do anything about it. <sighs> Meanwhile, maybe because of Seven, Ransom is starting to have second thoughts. Uh, he objects to Burke calling the aliens fuel, and when he walks in on sickbay and Schmollis is forcing Seven to sing Oh My Darling Clementine with him, he seems disgusted, and he spits out no choice back at him. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to the beach. Yes, and the redemption the, of Rudy uh, is a very quick affair. It is extremely quick, and it's unexplained. Yep. He goes to the beach, and he sees the girl in the pink dress again, and she turns around, and it's, of course, it's seven of nine, but she's fully human. She doesn't have the eyebrow uh, yep. computer this week. And she says she's hiding like you, and then she turns into a Slimer, and anyway... Uh, he doesn't get a chance to process this bad dream because uh, Burke calls to say Janeway's found them. Uh, when he gets up to the bridge, he says, you know what? I'm changing the plan. We're going to cooperate with Janeway and we're going to go home with Voyager. And um, it's mutiny time. Burke yeah. takes command. Uh, uh, he gets... I think he should probably, you should probably call him yeah, by At this his point, real you want name. me to call him Max Penis? Max Penis. <laughs> he, uh, Max Penis has Gilmore take Rudy off to the brig. And then he calls up Bad Schmollis and asks for Voyager's shield frequency. And by Bad Schmollis, at this point, I mean the Equinox Schmollis, not the current Bad Schmollis, who's bad on <laughs> Equinox. Both, I mean the Equinox Schmollis, who's bad on Voyager, not the Voyager 
Schmoles yeah. is bad on Equinox. Yeah, they both got that same treatment. So yeah, um, that's going to take a minute. The ships reengage. Now we see that Gilmore has taken Ransom to engineering because she's on his side. Makes sense. She was the one who wanted to transfer very badly last week. And Chakotay's like, what? No. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I, and I don't want to know why. <laughs> I know there's an uh, important plot reason behind that, and I don't want to know it. Uh, eventually, Schmaltz gets back with the shield frequency, and Equinox starts racking up big hits on Voyager. Gets more and more wrecked. Uh, Ransom calls and says, hey, if you drop your shields, I'll beam everybody from Equinox to Voyager. Make sure you have a security team standing by. They're going to fucking hate this little move. And Janeway decides to trust him. Um, but for some, Burke does something, maybe more of his Twicrodic algorithms, and so they can't get... Rudy can't beam himself out, or, or Max. He can't beam out anyone on the bridge... Or himself, but everyone else on the ship he can beam out. So, I don't know. They do not explain it. No, and not at all. In fact, to the point where I was confused and assumed maybe I had missed some shitty techno babble that explained it. But I don't think there was any. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I guess one of the people they beam back over is Schmollis because he pops up in in Voyager sickbay and deletes the Equinox EMH. Yeah, he likes the, the Equinox one's in the middle of giving a big threat about how there are photonic charges placed all over the place, and uh, yeah. uh, Schmollis does the thing that no one on TV ever does and just goes, shut up, and just yeah. fucking kills him. <laughs> uh, Ransom drops the shield all over the Equinox, so the aliens are going to start to get, you know, wreck up the place. The bad guys on the bridge decide to make a run for a shuttle, but uh, they get killed. The aliens yeah. just kill them. Then Ransom for reasons of his own that no one really believes decides to go down with his ship rather than beam out. And he plugs back into his shoreline fantasy as the ship blows up around him. Captain's log. Uh, Janeway has reinstated Chakotay. Uh, They're back on course for home. Then we see Shmullis and sickbay apologizing for his behavior with seven. And then, like you said, she says, maybe put a fucking password on it next time. She's not actually mad at him about it. No. Uh, Janeway, uh, busts the five Equinox survivors on the ship, uh, Gilmore, Lessing, and three other chodes, <laughs> down to the rank of crewman. Yeah. And tells them that they're going to take orders and she's going to be keeping an eye on them. And then what she doesn't say is, ask the Maquis how serious I am about this. <laughs> uh, then, uh, finally, Janeway and Chicote talk about how come he didn't do a mutiny like Burke did. Yeah. And Chicote says, I would never. And then they put the ship's plaque back up. Yep. <laughs> What's this one about? The Kuchimoya. My ancestors. <laughs> Whatever he says. Uh, vengeance will we'll turn you into the thing that you hate. The thing you're trying to get vengeance on against. Janeway I mean, has... it happens to Janeway for sure. It doesn't really explain what happens to Rudy. No, this is a picture like a picture of Dorian Gray with those two. Janeway has to overcome her urge for revenge in order to keep her morality and avoid becoming just like Ransom. Don't worry, she doesn't do it. But anyway, that's that's I don't know. That's the only thing I could think of. That in by itself is fine and very Star Trek, and we've seen many things just like it or very similar to it. I gave it a five. <clears throat> I figured something distressing out about this week. <laughs> is it distressing or is it, in a way, extremely cool? 
It's going to be very distressing when Deep Space Nine wins this week, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> when all the, uh, look, these were all terrible episodes. There was not a winner among them. Yeah, so... It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I have been studying it for seven days. I had the computer analyze it. I swear to you, it does not mean a thing. This is an episode obsessed with the line... Where is the line? Will you cross the line? Can you come back from it? Yeah. But I don't think it says anything about it. And um, Ron Moore, who joined the show here, agreed. He fucking hated this episode, and he quit Voyager pretty quick after this. And he was <laughs> mad about it, and he said, why did we even do part one? Yeah. This episode is about nothing. No one learns anything. And then he remade it in Battlestar Galactica as Pegasus. <laughs> That's canonically true. He redid this story as Pegasus, where they find, they run across another ship that's had it worse and had to make really hard decisions, and the captain's turned into an animal or whatever. Uh, the captain, meaning Admiral Kane, played by Michelle Forbes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it very much aggravated me, and I gave it no points. <laughs> well, what can you do? That's just Voyager being Voyager right there. It's not. I really hated it. Um, (laughs) So don't ask me how much it scored for execution. Do you have any notes for execution aside from the fact that it did not have a premise? um, This is an absolute disaster. Yeah. If you said to me, oh, in part one, Janeway and Ransom infected each other. Mm -hmm. And one becomes better and one becomes worse in part two. You'd say, that's a better explanation than anything that's offered. I mean, that also sounds compelling. Yeah. Why doesn't Chakotay mutiny after Janeway tortures a man? Why doesn't he have a talk with Tuvok about it at all? No, dude. He just goes to his quarters and disappears. She sends him to his quarters. We do not see him again until everything is resolved. He just goes there and maybe puts on his own headset. I don't know. Uh, It's impossible to understand why anyone does anything. The Ankari are around conveniently 10,000 light years from where Equinox <laughs> encountered them. No one thinks about that or mentions it as But usual. that's also Voyager, as always. Yeah. Everyone shows up wherever uh, in the galaxy. But you could leave that all out if Voyager just made the Universal Translator work and they could talk to the aliens. Yeah. You don't need them there at all. It, it's just, it's useless. Yep. Oh, well, um, it's there to prove that Janeway... Um, not only is she going to torture prisoners, but she's going to bully other aliens all around until she gets what oh, she yeah. wants. Like, but oh, by the way, she does that every week. Yeah. We that's, already that's know part. that part. Uh, the Burke-Torres relationship they set up in part one, nothing. Barely even referenced. She nope. calls him up uh, for a minute during the firefight, and he just shuts it off, and that's the end of that thread. Yeah. Uh, the Doctor who we have been told has rewritten his program, subverted his programming, become more than his program. You may remember he tried to talk to a missile. They tried to talk mm. a missile out of being a missile. Yes. When using this entire line of argument becomes exactly like bad Schmullis, totally indistinguishable uh, when Rudy goes over and pushes two buttons. Yeah. Yeah. That was a preset. So, and he saved, he saved those settings. And then he just I guess said, so. apply my saved settings. So, they had all summer to write this episode. (laughs) This is the episode that should be the best of the whole year. They have the most time to work on it. And it's just 
disaster after disaster. I can't think of one thing I liked about the whole episode. It is kind of like when a team comes from out of a timeout and then they get a delay a game. Yes. And you just go, what the fuck happened? You were just a timeout. How were you not able to do this? So it's a zero. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I give it a two. Um, it's action schlock. It's got a recycled Chaco versus Janeway plotline from like two other episodes. They try to redeem Ransom for some reason. We just met him and he was pure evil 10 minutes ago, so it feels too soon to redeem him. And then for no reason, Janeway turns back around and works with Ransom, even though she's gone off the deep end trying yeah, to hunt says, him and murder him. She says, as if she's talking about herself, he's still a Starfleet captain he just forgot for a while. Yeah, but like the whole time you've been talking about like foam, you're foaming at the mouth. About how you gotta kill this guy. He's gotta be... You're gonna keep his skull and all this stuff. And then suddenly she's like... Nah, he's nah, he's telling the truth. No, he's a good guy at heart. Kind of like Eddington. He's a, he's a good guy. Oh, he's very like Eddington. You gotta give us something. You get, there has to be some reason she decides to work with him in the end. But no. Yeah, just because... Um, and they, could, they couldn't even think of a good reason why he had to die. No, well... I mean... The only thing I would think of in universe, I'd be like, oh, that guy was a coward and he was afraid to face the music. Like, he knows oh, yeah. that he's going to be in prison the rest of his life and shit. So we just beefed it instead. But yeah, in universe, they give, I mean, like in the show, they give us nothing. Um, same with Max Penis. Why is he pure evil? Oh, yeah. What's his he's deal? just an absolute villain. He's just, out, yeah, he's unmotivated evil. And then he thinks, <clears throat> he thinks getting on a shuttle and abandoning Equinox is a is a good plan. What's like he gonna do in a gonna shuttle? Keep the fucking aliens at bay or yeah. Voyager. He's gonna beef it in ten minutes in that shuttle. Why? Would, but he's like so confident about it. He's like, it'll work. Don't worry about it. What? And again, maybe we're supposed to believe Ransom redeems himself by heroically sacrificing himself or something. But in reality, he's afraid to face the music. This dark fucking period, man. I wish I could say I liked the Star Trek where everyone was evolved and you didn't see these fuckers like Ransom and Max Penis, but every T every show, even TOS, has been full of bad Federation guys selling out their oh, yeah. morals for personal gain. So they're really, even though Roddenberry wished for an idyllic future, he still wrote one where everyone was kind of a piece of shit, and this yeah, is mean, not that how different. Many, how many episodes in is too short a season? It's, I mean... It's early. It's fucking early, and Picard just looks at that guy and goes, well, I don't think I would have sold weapons, but, you know, it's not my place to judge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's episode 15. So, I, that's why I'm saying, like, I was like, this isn't Roddenberry Star Trek, and then I thought about it, I mean, ah, damn it, it kind of is, though. It's just always full of shitholes. And we always run into characters who have lost their way so that we can see that our crew is still... Still has it. Mm -hmm. Still like, good. In TOS, weren't there like nine episodes in a row where one of Kirk's old buddies became a Hitler? And you're just like, yeah, oh, yeah another one of Kirk's Hitler. buddies became Hitler. It happened again. Big hero, Captain Garth of Izar, <laughs> straight up blew up a woman in front of us. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's actually not that different. Um, uh... Uh, dang old Chaco's gonna use his soothing demeanor to befriend the aliens. That's pretty tired as well. Um, seeing as how their EMH was so gung-ho about betrayal, 
why would they ever let the Voyager EMH loose without altering its programming? Oh, okay, never mind. It was a very quick tweak. They took care of that yeah. right away. Or like just one thing. Um, this scene I where... really I expected Matthew the whole time that the, they cut back and Schmollis would give some indication to Seven that, that he was still in there. That he was still there. Like, yeah, they've disabled my ethical subroutines, but I've because other, I have grown and changed, etc. Like, yeah. I've I've picked up some independent reasons to not just be an asshole all the time as if if someone turns off your ethical subroutines you're like time to murder. Go. <laughs> i'm ready to murder everybody um this scene where torture doctor does the knee bonus connected to the ankle bone song is yeah literally out of babylon 5 it sure is the creeper who captures delen and friends after babylon 5 breaks away from the earth force does the exact same song just sitting there being a creeper, a torture creeper, and singing that song. Um, I guess it's public domain, huh? Sure. It's just like, uh, that had been like two years earlier or something in sci-fi on oh, TV. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, don't worry. Th- none of the writers of this show like sci-fi or watch it, so they've never <laughs> seen it. <laughs> it's not really biting, then. And uh, I don't think they had uh, Patricia Tallman doing stunt, stunt work on uh, Voyager, so... <laughs> She didn't. She didn't pop in the set that day and go. Uh, I don't think so. Look, guys, I don't want to. It's not really my place, but look, I don't want to make this the worst day at anyone's job. But <laughs> not trying to make it anybody's worst day at their job. I just want to know if these fuckers ever shits. She came out of the wall shitting, coming. <laughs> Whatever he says. Horse cocks and big old donkey dicks. <laughs> I like when he gets so upset. He doesn't want. He just. He has to ask this question, but he doesn't want anyone to have the worst. The worst day at their job. <clears throat> and his mom asks him if he made any friends. Not really. Not really. <laughs> um, I was uh, excited to see a successful ambush. Off screen, Chaco does find the place they're hiding and they ambush. Oh, them. yeah. You almost never <laughs> anyway, see something totally like that. Totally off screen. Yeah, you never see something like that go according to plan on these shows, but that they, they just pop out and get them. Uh, I gave it a two because at least it wasn't boring, but it was such a huge shoulder shrug. The whole time I was just going, like, my shoulders hurt at the end from shrugging so much. I didn't understand why anyone did anything. Just like in the Deep Space Nine episode this week, I just spent the whole time going, but why? Well, what about world building? Hey, man, can phaser rifles get any bigger? I think (laughs) if we try, I think if we try, we can get them a little bit bigger, but not much more. They're pretty big. I ask again, if they got nurses, which they have every 30 episodes or so, why do they need TP to train and act as the doctor when the EMH is gone? There's a blue uniform guy hypoing people out there. Yep. Who's that guy? Does Schmollis have a staff? Fucking confusing. No, it's just just him and Cass and Tom Paris. But this week, whoops. This week they got that guy. Who's that guy? Uh, The Equinox can only go to warp six. These aliens seem pretty easy to reason with, but of course that was never Ransom's goal. Uh, they only picked up five crew from the Equinox. I don't remember how many they started with. 80 or something? 
Something like that, because they lost 37, and that was basically half his crew in the first week. Yeah. So, not yeah. many made it off of Equinox. Nope. All on probation, but who knows if we'll ever see them again anyway. Uh, You can get data out of Seven's head if you take her apart. And, um, I don't know, I put in the Doctor's possible new security algorithms, but I doubt we'll ever see anything like that. Uh, I'm going to give it a one. I didn't like any of the things I just read. Uh, it was a one for me, too. Uh, Voyager gained a couple of crewmen, maybe. Three died, and they got five at the end. Oh, so good. No one else died off screen. But those five were immediately bullied by Janeway as soon as they came on board. So I don't know if we can necessarily yeah. count on them. <laughs> but they must be absolutely out of torpedoes, because they fired at least seven of them this week. You know, speaking uh, of which, can... at one point, the, f- the f- f- fucking Max Penis or whatever says Equinox has a full complement of torpedoes, but no phasers. Yeah. And I just went, what the fuck does that mean? How you got a full complement of torpedoes? Are you yeah, manufacturing them? doing super bad. They don't even have showers on this ship, but they have a full complement of torpedoes. <laughs> what happened? Anyway. Um, you can send messages securely between Starfleet ships without the captains of those ships knowing for some reason. Yeah. Like, a sh- bad Equinox Schmullis is just in contact with his ship the whole time, and uh, Tuvok's never like, huh. So you mean, like the time, calls on Gold Channel. Like that time that Harry Kim was trying to call his girlfriend and Tuvok picked it up? Uh-huh. Well, yeah. not this week. No. Um, Schmullis can somehow surgically make Seven sing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a one for me. <laughs> This is not getting a lot of points, is it? No. All right. Characterization, then. Well, Janeway's unhinged. Uh, yeah. Um, Tuvok and Chakotay both notice it, but neither one of them does anything. So bad <clears throat> looks for the whole command structure. Yeah. I mean, even the young Henson Kim gives a look on the bridge at one point like, oh, my mama. Mama, <laughs> no! Um... Seven refuses to turn over the codes, even on pain of death. Schmollis is one delete command away from being Mr. Hyde, like in Darkling. Yeah. I'm no glad one else you remember the name of that work. episode. Yeah. Well, it's a when you've done Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with a character, you don't have him say Mr. Hyde in the show. <laughs> Again, there were so um, many recycled things. It is very weird that they spent all summer on this. I mean, yes. clearly they didn't. But, like, that they had all summer. Yes. The episode ends with Janeway saying to Chakotay, you probably should have mutinied. And Chakotay saying, that would have been over the line. And that's fucking Voyager. Welcome to season six. I gave it <laughs> one point for characterization. <laughs> all right, here's what I got. Chaco is the ship's diplomat again. He's very patient with Janeway, even though uh, he's been down this road a few times before. And he must know it's not going to get better. Anyway, <laughs> eventually he challenges her and is relieved of duty. Doesn't appear again until the end of the episode. Sudden uh, Seven is suddenly very loyal to Janeway. Um, of course, Janeway does not want to try diplomacy. Big fucking shock. Chaco tries to talk to the alien one minute. The alien comes onto the bridge, doesn't attack anyone, and leaves. And for some reason, she sees that as a bad sign. Get no more no more attempts at diplomacy. Well, never doing that again. I would have been like, oh, that was actually really fucking promising. That alien came right up to Harry Kim or whoever and didn't bite his face. 
<clears throat> but anyway, she don't want to try that again. Um, she's a better analyst than Data and Troy, I put. Because at least she figures out that guy can't be hiding. And then she does. That he is doing that. Um, but she's out here doing the torture like Archer would. You know. I think worse than Archer. Season three like Archer, Archer. Archer did a fake execution for sure. Yeah. A mock execution. That wasn't good. Season three Archer when the times were so dark. And like, I mean, Archer definitely left that ship. Probably to die. Or Damar. Or their warp core or whatever. But or whatever like, Damar's name was in that show. He's just like, please don't it, steal our engines. And Archer's like, this dark fucking period, though. He takes but them. it also feels like Archer probably just drank to forget that that ever happened. So, <laughs> I don't know. So, anyway, she's out here doing torture. And then she just backs down and lets Chaco do his thing. Just like sl- Just like slides past him. When Chaco comes up with his plan to talk to the Amkari yep. or whatever, which is super weird. And then a completely unmotivated flip on Ransom at the end where she's like, Ah, now you know I can trust this guy after all. And then she feels so bad at the end, but I can't figure her out, so it means nothing. None of it means anything. I don't know what she's doing. I don't understand. Tuvok and Harry are uncomfortable too, but stay mostly quiet. Tuvok does speak up the one time when Janeway agrees to give up the Equinox. But he doesn't do anything. Um, and again, uh, I put it in twice because I thought, man, he should really do this thing that Seven says at the end. Seven says, why don't you like put a fucking lock on your program? And he's like, that's like a really good idea. And that would be a great way to gain some individuality if you could just like get people to not tamper with your shit all the time. But I, I just don't know if it'll happen. Who knows? No, he definitely doesn't have person status on the ship anyway, so Janeway would never let him do that. He'd ha- no, he'd have to do it in secret, for sure. That's what I mean. I mean, there was, you may remember, there was an episode where she kept resetting his memory. Yeah, like every ten minutes, Herself. she just walked in there. And then at the end, she made a big show about how she was going to sit there and this look very annoyed. A, dude's not allowed to have a door that locks. And then she was going to sit there while he worked out his weird emotional problem and just look very annoyed the whole time. And that was her great, her great moment. Uh, I gave it a two. (laughs) I'm trying, I'm looking in your face at anything good about anybody. Oh, just the part where I, uh, I thought that was really good advice by seven. Do you, um, do you have, do you have any quick hitters? Unfortunately. Again, Jamie gives the textbook definition of a vendetta and then says, if you want to call that a vendetta, then go right ahead. <laughs> Everything yeah. she does in this episode's crazy. Planet California. Um, was Seven still in her hair and makeup from that episode of The Sentinel she did when they when they were filming that beach scene? <laughs> Probably. Did they just film all that stuff at the same time? You remember that, right? <laughs> No. When she played the Lady Is that Sentinel? Is big crossover? Yeah, their big crossover event. She was a Lady Sentinel. She had the Sentinel powers. And um, she also, um, you know, uh, crippled him with her powerful sexuality. Oh, okay. It was yeah, a great, just a great two-part episode starring Jerry Ryan. If as, uh, as masculine a man as Harry Kim... Couldn't handle the prospect. What was... <laughs> yeah, Richard Berge didn't have a chance. Berge gonna do? Detective Ellison. Um, again, how do they have a full complement of torpedoes? Um, Kim says they damaged Equinox's port nacelle, and I thought that was really underselling it, because that ship was never going to warp again. 
No. That nacelle blew up and was half a nacelle. They ain't gonna fix that. Um, that's all I had. What about you? Um, this episode is not the lowest scoring Voyager ever. Well, <laughs> there was a three, wasn't there? There was a three. That's a tough one. But isn't it the worst? Isn't this a worse <laughs> episode than Waking Moments? I mean, just try to try to put yourself back. Uh, cast your mind back to that episode and the fourth okay, time Chaco sees the moon. He's in the cave. All of the people are wearing clothes, but their <laughs> yes. entire life is spent asleep. Who's making the clothes? Okay. How does their whole civilization difficult. work? Can anyone explain it? No How one's going to try. How do they reproduce? What is going on? Uh-huh. Oh, he's seeing the moon. You see the moon for the yeah, fourth I time. <laughs> I don't love it. Oh wait. Oh, oh, I'm looking. Oh, I'm remembering. The title image, the image that you will see when this episode goes out to depict the worst ever episode is Tuvok and he's naked. His anxiety dream is that he's naked. Tuvok, the logical Vulcan, has powerful naked dream anxiety. Let's just go through the scores here and see how it got to three. I'm going to take you through. Take Judah zero, Matt zero. Okay. Execution, Judah zero, Matt zero. (laughs) World building, Judah zero, Matt zero. Characterization Judah one Matthew two. <laughs> All right. The math don't lie, man. Yeah, it don't. <clears throat> uh, I gave uh, best actor candidate this week to Tuvok. Again, not a lot of good choices, and worst actor to Rudy. Yeah, not great. <sighs> There's one more winner. Last week was TNG. Uh. It was the first duty, and it, we did declared it one of the 25 good ones, although they're already, it's not even the 25, 25th best one in terms of score. But Oh, geez, already? Yeah. Wow. But this week we get to watch the masterpiece that is Cost of Living. <laughs> We open on Red Alert, and Worf fires torpedoes, but it turns out to be at an asteroid. Yeah. Uh, They blow it up. The remaining fragments of this asteroid are still a danger to this planet. So, after a bunch of tech nonsense, they use the deflector dish to break up the rest of the debris. But nobody notices a bunch of sparkles making their way into the ship as they head off to the Mosolina system. Okay. After the credits, <sighs> Sheriff Worf and Deputy Disappointment are in <laughs> Counselor Troy's office, having an argument about whether Alexander knew he was supposed to put his clothes in the replicator before he could go to play. Mm. Troy wants them to draw up a contract, which is a weird idea when you're dealing with a two-year-old, <laughs> but I don't think she knows much about kids. Can I tell you how many times I, rem- I reminded Marjan during this episode that Alexander was two? <laughs> He's two. It's <laughs> two. I had. A, I told her like thirty times. Uh, Troy's pretty pleased with herself about this contract idea until Riker calls up and tells her her mom's on board. Yeah. Uh, That's right. We get the joy of an Alexander episode and a Luoxana episode. And a Luoxana Troy episode. Yeah. Uh she immediately announces that she's getting married in ten forward to 
Compio or Campio. Mm, yes. I've heard it both ways. <clears throat> Han or Han. Third minister to the Conference of Judges on the planet of Castellane. A man that it transpires she hasn't actually met. Yeah. Uh, Worf busts in on a conversation she's having with Troy and Ten Forward uh, because the contract idea sucks on ice. <laughs> And Loxana Troy immediately starts shitting all over it. She thinks Alexander should be a little goblin and probably a fucking liar because he's a kid. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Um, Picard is excited to give Loxana Troy away. But whoops, there's that space glitter all up in the ceiling. Yeah, so they didn't see that. <laughs> that wasn't a CGI accident in the trailer. That's an <laughs> ongoing part of the plot. <laughs> Uh, Loxana finds Alexander waiting in Troy's office. Turns out he's actually hiding from his dad because he's mad about everything all the time. And he's like, I can never do anything right, etc. And her bright idea mm. is to take him to a colony of free spirits on the holodeck. Yeah. Which, by the way, is right next to Troy's office. Yeah, that is interesting. They walk out of Troy's office and 15 feet later they walk to the holodeck. Which makes me think, like, I don't know. I don't know what effect proximity has with Troy's emotion with her, mm. with her empathy but if people question. are getting nasty in the holodeck right next door he's probably feeling those feelings all day yeah. long yeah it's a good question though because we know she can read people from uh, light years away over a view screen but like maybe it is a stronger feeling when they're it's, it's just jacking it down the hall Anyway, this colony of free spirits is just like a cement courtyard with five or six Dr. Seuss characters in it and yes. a tiny mud hot tub. Um, Troy goes to Worf's quarters looking for Alexander, and then they ask the computer where he is, and they go to the holodeck where they find everybody's naked in the mud eating sugar cones while they watch a naked lady dance around in body paint. This is very appropriate for a two-year-old. <laughs> Back in Troy's quarters, she gives her mother a talking to about interfering with Alexander and Worf's family therapy. And then the subject turns to the wedding, and Troy is stunned to learn that Loxana is going to wear clothes to her own wedding. Mm. And she's really digging into it. She's really chewing up, you know, holder of the sacred chalice of reeks mm. and stuff like that. Yeah, she does some work um, with an apple. There's a lot going on uh -huh. in that scene. Yeah, she's, she's doing a lot, but then, like... The whole thing is ruined because there's kind of a little tech whoopsie and the replicator puts a bunch of sausages and walks on a Troy's tea and now Troy's got to deal with that. She doesn't seem interested, honestly. <laughs> no, she doesn't, but like... She kind of tilts her head back like, oh, that's weird. It turns out there have been over 200 reports of replicator problems because Data and Geordi are suddenly in the episode. Oh, I just can't even imagine the unbelievable stress of replicator guy that day. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> all the tickets that start to come in. That guy's day oh, no sucked. He's you know, like, I woke I up this morning. Sausages in her tea. Well, we're recording weird. this. Maybe on, she entered a bad command. We're recording this on February first, and I woke up yeah. this morning, and uh, I just started a new job. I know that's hard for everyone to believe, because <laughs> you know, I'm usually I'm usually uh, I I'm not a job hopper, and everyone knows that about me, and um. But anyway, my, my territory went into effect. I got big territory. It, I've got like 23 states or something. And um, I woke up this morning and I had uh, 350 emails. 
all the shit being automatically assigned to me in the system from all those places and before i before i was fully awake and understood what was happening i had like a total panic attack just like what the fuck happened overnight why why would i have what is happening and then i started to piece it all together but anyway imagine you're a replicator guy and you like grab your coffee you just got on uh, your station and you sit there and you go all right open the email here oh no (laughs) Oh no, everybody's getting the sausages. <laughs> Must be so bad. Not even good ones. They're Petrokian sausages. Ah, the Petrokian sausages. Those, uh, you know, they say they're an acquired taste, but I don't know. I don't know if anyone's ever acquired a taste for that. It smells like rectum. Well, Data and Jordy go crawling through the tubes. Uh, they're trying to track down some kind of energy spike, but instead they find a sort of thin apricot jam. Yeah, just kind of dripping out of a system. Um, Alexander comes to see Loxana Troy while she's trying on Compio's grandmother's wedding dress or whatever, which she hates, and she already picked out a white wig to go with it, so that <laughs> sucks. Um, he asks her why she's even getting married, and it turns out she's big lonely. Yeah. Anyway, don't worry about the emotions, because the ship is going haywire now, and damn near shaking itself apart. In the conference room, Jordy brings in a samovar of apricot jam, and no one knows what it is or why it's happening. Uh, in the wedding plot, Campio is turned up and beams over with Protocol Master Urko, who, and Campio is explicit on this point, need not be addressed. No, the police said since they aren't real people. That that's right. Is, you that's don't right. have to they worry shouldn't about even, it. They weren't. They shouldn't even have been there anyway because they're not like real, real people. people. You know, like they don't count. Is what he said. Anyway, Campio is a real stick in the mud, but he's got long earlobes like Liu Bei, and also has wide set eyes so that he can see them. So it's not necessarily a deal breaker. <laughs> the boys in gold figure out that a living organism is eating all the nitrium on the ship. And that's a no-no, because there's a bunch in the warp core. It turns out, like, most of the Enterprise is nitrium. It's like 40% nitrium. Fuck, it's in everything. Um, Meanwhile, Alexander is aggressively doing an ALF impression, and Worf (laughs) is at the absolute limit of his patience. Uh, He squashes a Brussels sprout in in his hand as Alexander leaves to go back to the holodeck for his laughing hour. Yeah. Uh, Luoxana Troy also leaves Campio in her quarters with business to attend to. No one is happy, including Luoxana or me. Yeah. Even the holodeck juggler is bummed out because he ate all his worlds. Sure. Now, Picard's idea is to go back to the asteroid field that the metal parasites that they think they have came from. Yes. But at the rate the systems are failing... They may not have time. Um, in fact, Picard and Data barely make it to the bridge because of turbo lift shenanigans. Uh, Again. That thing is a fucking death trap. No, it's in the camera was doing some work. The camera was doing some work before it went, and it was like, oh, these old boys are about to go for a ride. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, life support starts to fail. It's bad everywhere. It's hot and sweaty. Picard's like, listen, we're probably going to lose consciousness, Data, so... You know, do the plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have full authority to do the plan or whatever. Yes. And that seems to be what happens. Everyone passes out. 
but Data gets the critters to go to an asteroid and then transfers power from engines to life support. And then I assume the Enterprise, the entire space frame is a total write-off because all of the nitrogen yes. has been leached out of it. But no one system. says anything. No one fucking says anything about what are we going to do? We lost all our nitrium. Yeah. No, never mind. Temporary repairs have been completed and it's time for the wedding. Uh, Luoxana's a little late. Everyone's annoyed and rolling their eyes. But then, of course, she walks in stark naked and everyone's That means she like, walked down the hall like Luoxana. that, too, man. I don't think she oh, fiended sure. in there. She, yeah. like... She walked no, straight she, from the quarters. She didn't stand right outside ten forward and undress there. She she did yeah. walk the whole ship nude for sure. Yep. Uh, Urko drags Campio out, um, and then Worf, Troy, Loxana, and Alexander all climb into the mud together. The end. Jesus. Is this one about that? Okay, so now imagine you're that same replicator guy. Uh huh. And like you just got off duty. And it, what a terrible, you know, tomorrow morning, it's going to be the same shit. Cause like you got to yeah, go through you know each what? of the incidents and the you system mark still them. doesn't have any nitrium in it for yeah. one thing. You got to mark them all as like on hold. Cause you can't even fix it until the fucking <laughs> systems have been repaired when you get to a star base or whatever. And you're going to have to deal with this shit every day and you're fucking pissed off and you're walking I, down the hall and there's naked Luoxana just fucking walking around. And a few weeks ago, you were the same guy who saw a little boy carrying a huge knife smiling to himself walking down the hall. And you just think to yourself, what did I get into? I said, I got to go to the Enterprise. It's the flagship. This is where, this is, if my career is really going to take off, I don't want to be one of those 50-year-old ensigns. Like, yeah. I got to go to the Enterprise. This is going to be it for me. And then at, just at that moment, when you see Loxana walk by fucking fully naked, you go, I uh, I think I got to resign my commission. <laughs> I think my career is not like, going to work. Go be the replicator technician on the Enterprise. You do that for two years. Then you're the chief engineer of an Oberth. That's right. <laughs> exactly. And then you just work your way up from there. This is then, a smart then plan. You're, then you're running ops on Deep Space Six. And this then. Is, uh, this is, uh, you know, this is good advice, and you just got to have patience, and everything will work out you for you, I, Randy. You teach at the academy for two years while you're getting your command certification. Then you're captain of an Oberth. <laughs> <laughs> got it all planned out, and then, as you said, walks on a chart, just walks by, and like, what am I doing? That's it. Yeah, he's done. All right. Um, I but the take I came up with was do whatever you like. I guess <laughs> just do what you want. I'm just saying, man. Everyone ends up in that dumb mud bath for free spirits. Yep. Alexander somehow manages to avoid getting a spanking despite shirking his responsibilities for forty minutes. <laughs> Loxana doesn't marry Compio because he's a prude. Worf is in the mud. Worf is in the mud bath, man. I don't know what this yeah. episode was trying to say, except just do whatever you like. That's a one. Uh, yeah, my take is uh, life's got to be worth living, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, this is a story about Loxana seizing at something she doesn't actually want because she's afraid of being alone, and then realizing, maybe in the wake of a near-death experience that no one talks about because everyone on the ship lost consciousness. Yes. <laughs> that she yeah. can't marry so That's gotta this. be traumatic for someone. Maybe this isn't traumatic for our main crew who just go through this shit on the regular, but like... Yeah, Picard, Picard was like, Data's got it. He'll keep us, he'll figure out a way to keep us alive. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna go to sleep right here in my chair. But... If you're fucking... Randy. 
if Randy, if Randy you fell unconscious earlier. And you, you know, you've barely seen Data. It's like, right. yeah, you th- the day that everyone was walking like Data with their arms out in a weird way, <laughs> you thought that was neat and you did it once or twice. But like, yeah, you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. It's just been getting hotter and hotter. And now you're not you're not breathing real well and you're getting panicky about it. And yeah, then and the senior staff just out. told you to uh, stay in your stay at your station and don't leave uh-huh. the room. And that's all I told you. And you're like, do I got to stay here and fix the replicators? Because <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that. And Not then Randy. you fucking wake up. Oh, thank God. Oh, the air's cool and it's full of oxygen again. Oh, God. I gotta oh, go home. I have I gotta a go terrible headache. I gotta change yeah. my uniform. I'm gonna have to take a quick a quick sonic shower, get myself ready for the back end of my shift here. Oh, Picard just tried to order tea. Oh, God, there's another <laughs> replicator ticket. <laughs> anyway, traumatic near-death experience. Uh, she realizes that she can't marry this sterile weirdo because she won't be happy. And um, and that's sort of fine, but yeah. uh, who has the opposite view? Yeah, life should not be worth living. It should be yeah. just as bad as it can be. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I had three, but you're right. It's, I'll give it a two. Yeah, it's not great. <clears throat> well, but uh, the rest of the episode must have been a real winner. Is there any Luoxana Troy episode aside from maybe the first one that doesn't follow this formula of she comes in and goblins around but it turns out she's really in pain Uh. and just clowning around to hide it and then she learns a lesson and everyone's like I guess she's not actually a goblin but like I'd still rather not have her around because she's a lot (laughs) yeah I mean yeah that's basically right even the one good one which is obviously the half a life the one good Luxana episode, that is basically yep. it. She comes in and she fucks, gets in everyone's fucking business and creates a big problem. And then, yeah, it's because she's sad about getting old or whatever. Uh-huh. There are those, when Odo's in her dress and she's like, mm-hmm. I figured it out, buddy. You love Kira. And here, I'll take my wig off and you can see how old We're I the same. am now. And what's you and me. But yeah, you know, it's the same formula. Yeah. Um, Anyway, her sad scenes are probably the only good part of the episode. Yeah. Uh, all the stuff she does with Alexander sucks, and the entire <laughs> B-plot is a wet sack of potato and carrot peelings <laughs> that's starting to smell. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. you're like, ah, if I don't take the garbage out tonight, this is going to stink tomorrow. Yep. You well, For a while, you walked around the house saying, what's that smell? And then you passed the garbage. Uh-huh. Ah, fucking nailed it. I know what it is. Uh, it doesn't engage with the A-plot at all. Even when everyone nearly dies, no one mentions it, and it doesn't yes. seem to be the reason Loxana decides not to go forward with her joyless marriage. In the A-plot, the no one... And, yeah. Like, literally, she orders that sausage, and that's the only thing that where it... Or no, the holodeck gets one glitch The holodeck starts malfunctioning, but she just takes Alexander's hand yeah. and they leave. And no then, one I don't know that they told anybody that that happened. Nah, man, she didn't report. She didn't put in a ticket for the holodeck guy. Yeah. So I'm gonna call, uh... Randy also. He has an easier job because even though the holodeck is malfunctioning all the time, A, it's non-essential, so he can just take it out of business Mm -hmm. until it's fixed, and B, there's only like four or five of them. Yeah, and also, he doesn't know how to fix them, and everyone knows he doesn't know how to fix them, so when he throws up his shoulders and goes, he throws up his hands and goes, I don't don't know, I took it offline, everyone just goes, yeah, all right. (laughs) No one bothers him (laughs) with anything else after that, that's it. Yeah, his job's easier for sure. Randy, too. Um, 
Yeah, it's so anyway, it's just entirely forgotten about, and I guess I'm the only one who wonders how they salvaged the space frame after all that damn nitrium got leached out of it. Yeah. Well, like you're season not, six I should be season six should be everybody working at a new new separate command because Enterprise is either getting a total overhaul or it's been scrapped. Yeah. Like we should just be following Jordy's working here and Troy's over here now. And by and the way, Riker's quick not there. Note. That's a whole thing. Yeah, I remember when we lost all that nitrium. Yeah. Yeah, that was the end. Well, yeah. we, had, we had a good ride, though. I don't know. Maybe we'll get to work together again, but, like, that ship's a write-off, so. Yeah. Um, This episode has, like, a couple of decent emotional beats, but it's not one of the 25 good episodes. I gave it a three for execution. Yeah, I mean, everything about the A-plot's a mess. Alexander sucks. Luxana sucks. Compio sucks. The holodeck sucks. And all the writing sucks. And we're supposed to root for these shipbirds all the time. And this space glitter B-plot. If the A-plot wasn't so bad, I'd be much madder about this B-plot. Oh, yeah. If it was taking time away from a good A-plot, I would be losing my shit. Because this is, as you said, fucking nothing. Like, nine times they went to a scene break with some goo and, like, Mm -hmm. dramatic music playing. Like, the goop was evil or something. Like, the goop was out to get them. And every single time, you're just like, you're not even talking about the goop. No one even knows the goop's there. I forgot about how dire the B-plot became, too. Because they only spent, like, eight minutes on it, and suddenly everyone was about to die. Yes. And then also, as we said, after they get rid of the parasites, everything's fine. Aren't they still missing the nitrium and all those malfunctioning systems? Why is everything repaired again? Yeah. I, I get that there's not going to be new damage. Sure. They're, now they are gone, but your ship was almost being destroyed. The ship, as far as we know, the ship can only go warp six now. It's fucking stupid, man. <clears throat> I give it a one. It's not a fan of this episode. Uh, maybe you thought they did some world building, though. I think it might be the first time they called the torpedo launchers tubes. Interesting. Morph says torpedo tubes. Uh, nitrium and what did they say? Crondite? Cronkite? I don't know what they said the other thing was. Something that astro- like that. That asteroid was made out of or that f- fragment. Um, the Enterprise is like mostly nitrium, it turns out. Uh, some deflector dish business where they use the deflector to blow up. I, I can tell I took a lot of notes during this teaser. Um, the garment reprocessor. Yep. The conference of judges on the planet Costa Lane. This commune of free spirit losers. Gestural tea, Petrochian sausage, nitrium eating organisms. Man, I gave it a two, but I could see a one. <laughs> oh, that is tough because I did give it a one. Okay, I guess it's a one. Oh, that is, that's rough. That's bad news for you, TNG. Uh, yeah, and there's not much. Nitrium, metal parasites, free spirit colonies. Kind of not much except a, just a repetition that clothes go in the replicator. And we yeah. already knew that because O'Brien won't put his fucking socks in there. Fucking idiot. How, how easy is this, O'Brien? You put them in there, they're gone. That's it's right. the easiest thing in the them. world. You don't have to fold them. You don't have to put them away. It's like Tomorrow a magic morning, trick. you just go up there and say socks, and it gives you socks. You can even say something like socks warm, you know? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. If Randy's done his socks. job right, this you're going to get some pretty nice toasty socks. Uh, O'Brien's probably like number two on the call sheet for replicators, right? Because At this point, like, yeah. It's pretty similar to transporter technology, honestly. That's right. And uh, Yeah, those, you know, those like, transporter, the replicator, and the holodeck are all semi-related. Yeah. Uh, characterization. Sure. I mean, I guess Worf is trying with the parenting stuff. He yeah. does the contract, even though he thinks it's dumb. He just wants Alexander to eat dinner and clean his room. Yeah, regular shit. He does. He does yell too much, and that's some work he still has to do. But, but it's better than completely ignoring his son. <laughs> that's right. He hasn't given up and Minsk the kid again. Yeah. Um, well, we know Alexander... that's because his parents won't take him back. <laughs> that's, they that's literally true. dropped him off and said, "No fucking <laughs> tag backs." Buddy crossed the whole sector to bring Alexander back. Um, <laughs> they said, "Do not bring him back. We're got we've moved, and we're not telling you where, so you can't bring him back." Uh, Alexander misses his mom, wishes his dad wasn't such an uptight asshole. Uh, yeah. He could tell that walks on a Troy is unhappy. He's fine as usual. The problem's not Alexander. Here's something that just popped into my head. It's not in my notes anywhere. The whole time, Loxon is calling him my little warrior. Didn't Kalar call him that once? Oh, maybe. Also, she can read his fucking mind. Doesn't she know he hates warriors and <laughs> doesn't want to be a warrior? He says out loud fucking every, like, every eighth sentence is, I don't want to be a warrior. But maybe, she keeps calling maybe him Maybe she knows mind. that he really does want to be a warrior and just feels like he can't live up to his dad's yeah. expectations. Fucking maybe. I don't know. No one talks about, um, no one ever talks about her ability to read minds in a way that makes sense, so... No, that is true. Uh, the big emotional beat is that Loxana is settling because she thinks she's too old to be picky and she doesn't want to die alone. And that sucks, but she comes around at the end. And yeah, she's way too cool with being naked with and around kids. Mm-hmm. And like, taking them to see some sexy dancing or whatever. Yeah, She's from Beta Z, where everyone can feel when anyone is horny or getting it absolutely <laughs> blown out or whatever. Yep. So she has different boundaries, I guess. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, no one else is in this, really. You could ask whether Picard should be willing to sacrifice the lives of all of his people rather than just project a beam of nitrium right into a nearby star and kill all of those life forms or whatever. <laughs> but it seems like no one even thought of that but me, so I don't think it's it was right. a, necessarily a decision anyone made. Say, I don't remember that discussion on board. He's for like, sure. we gotta get back to that asteroid field and then we'll project the beam so they'll go onto one of those nitrium rich asteroids. No one asteroids says, why don't we just project no it onto. Just project it right into space. Who cares? Yeah, like just uh, maybe onto a passing Bolian freighter or something. You know? <laughs> hey, is uh, is Cargon? Is Cargon <laughs> ships anywhere nearby by chance? Because is this would be a around? fantastic prank. This would be maybe the best prank. Where is the Pock, and can we get to them faster than that asteroid? Because this prank would be amazing. Yeah. Um, I gave it a five. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, okay. I don't think character is the problem this week. We're a little bit off because Alexander's a little fucker, but <laughs> he does have the worst dad in the galaxy, so it's kind of understandable. Oh, uh, yeah. I look, no one's impressed by you told me that was the rule yesterday, not today. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know what? My kid better not ever fucking try that shit on me. I'm going to show him this episode just so saying. many times. I'm just saying. He's got all the time. You're going to be telling him he's got to eat his dinner, and he's going to, because 
because he heard an adult say that's a conversation stopper if i ever heard one he's gonna all the time be saying to you the higher the fewer and i'm gonna be like this i don't know what that means i don't know why you're doing that please don't do that anymore the Waxana is getting married on enterprise because she wants to she behaves terribly the whole episode just real creeper shit with Alexander who she calls her little warrior even though we know he doesn't want to be one of those Luxana is everybody's shitty mom and also Willy Wonka? (laughs) maybe? anyway she thinks she can just touch and hold every damn two year old on the ship that kid is two uh-huh. Just putting her boobs all up in this two-year-old's face and getting naked together and stuff. Some baby she just met. Fucking weird. Strippers and shit? Mm. Yeah. Great small touch from Dorn. Being hella unhappy to see oh. the Waxana in 10 forward. <laughs> so unhappy when he comes up to the table to talk to Troy, because he has to, because as you said, this contract thing. Fuck that. It's, fuck, it's totally bullshit. But then he sees the Waxana there, and he's just like, fuck. <laughs> Gives her a Mrs. Troy and kind of looks yeah, the away. The Mrs. Troy is perfect. It's really just top notch. And they go a little overboard when she calls him Mr. Wolf. But anyway, Riker still does the whole come up behind and put one leg up on the console thing, even when the ship is shaking out of control. Mm-hmm. When well, you think you're having two feet planted, would be helpful. <laughs> that is the unbelievable confidence that he sometimes displays. I would have been fucking... I would have been screaming at nobody, why don't we have seatbelts? He's not in this episode. Do you think he's been avoiding Loxana since she essentially agreed to go into sex slavery to save his life? I mean, look. All right, you dated a girl for a long time. You probably met her mom a number of times. You got a pretty cordial relationship despite the fact that you broke her daughter's heart, you know? And... But things are going okay, but then y'all get kidnapped by Ferengis. Yeah. And you gotta see what could have been your mother-in-law naked, because the Ferengis take all their clothes away. Oh, um, there's no way that's the first time he saw the walks on a naked. I guess she probably does a lot of stuff in the nude, but... Like, probably in her house, she's wearing very diaphanous garments. And then, as you say, to save you and her daughter... She agrees to be Damon Tog Tog's sex sex toy or whatever. And that's not I mean that's a lot for sure. You know, there's and so yeah, much stuff he's... that happens to all these characters, it's hard to remember that all of it is pretty dramatic. He managed to save the day by inputting the <coughs> Algolian ceremonial rhythms. Not even looking, by the way. That, that happened. By the way. Yeah. He knew oh, those yeah. rhythms so well and he's he wasn't looking. Matthew. At an unfamiliar console. Yep. Now, I get that everything is less complicated than Elkars, and maybe if you've mastered Elkars, <laughs> oh, you've yeah. mastered everything. You know those know. Ferengi systems are less complicated than Elkars, for sure. But he wasn't even looking, and he just knocked them in there fucking 100% so that Wesley was just walking around the ship going, Oh, shit, I figured it out. <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> I know what that is. It's like, I got this fucking dipshit song and I've googled it and you can't it's not google no I sound on it a hundred times just me going poo, bah, poo, poo, bah, poo, bah, poo. every time it's like nah I don't know what that is why are you doing that 
it's like it's a bad sign when it's like you get the prompt that says push the button when you're done okay (laughs) so you don't know what it is (laughs) they should have had a scene where wesley was dancing to himself to that and then fucking dropped his shit and ran to the bridge (gasps) (laughs) uh yeah well anyway a two for me (laughs) just a two for you (laughs) just everyone behaved pretty badly what about quick hitters they destroy these asteroid fragments, comet fragments, whatever the fuck they were. <clears throat> they don't even stop to say hello to anybody. They were on like an emergency nope. mission to <laughs> blast call, this fucking asteroid. Nobody know. And then they just immediately warp out like fucking nailed it. High fives all around and then they warp out of there. Did anyone even know they were there? What was happening there? No, everyone down there was like, all right, we're dying today, guys. <laughs> I hope everyone's got their affairs in order. And then uh, what? Hold on. What? Uh, all of it blew up uh, into yeah. some fragments, and then all the fragments blew up too. A fucking huge ship just warped in, blew it up, and warped out. <laughs> and uh, we did get a message, and the message is "Smell you later." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, it must be cultural. I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of people that they, they smell to communicate. Um, this is the higher the fewer guy. Yeah. Straight out of TOS, man. But, like, that role is dramatic oh, yeah. in TOS. He's playing uh, a dramatic role. Oh, for sure. Uh, all these guys were... I called them Dr. Seuss characters because they mostly had wi- big bushy wigs and were funny <laughs> colors. But, yeah, yes. they were all out of uh, TOS, for sure. Kirk had to say a speech at that guy in TOS. I'm sure of it. Um, Troy walked all the way to Worf's quarters instead of just asking the computer where Alexander is, which Worf promptly does when she arrives. Uh-huh. He looks at her almost like, I don't fucking know. What are you, dumb? Just ask the computer. Why didn't she ask the computer? Well, she... If she'd rolled up on there and Worf was just whipping his ass, just <laughs> beating him bloody, <laughs> she, she wanted to... Chance to catch him she, in the act. She didn't want to be, like, on record, right? Like, right away that she was coming. Yeah. Uh, Alexander is a worse eater as a two-year-old than my son is at 20 months, just saying. It's at least four months ahead of Alexander. It's my I mean, kid. I don't know. Just eats his dinner. Do you think Alexander man. didn't want to eat that dinner? Or do you just like, it's? I got a, I got a date, man. I got a date on the holiday. I saw so many titties on that holiday <laughs> last like, time. Some of them were real. 40 pairs of titties last time I was there. I gotta get back there. <laughs> I'm two. As always, those loud, swishy doors can't be heard when the Luxana and Alexander peace out. No. Those things are so fucking loud unless you write a scene where someone sneaks out. Where they sneak out in the middle of an argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After they rid themselves of the parasites, a glorious fanfare plays that sounds just like the DS9 theme. Oh, yeah, that is true. Just just like it. Uh, What's worse? Luoxana scaring that old boy away with her old naked body? That old minister? Or Deanna's crazy 90s outfit as a wedding guest? Uh, they're both... Be- I mean, it's a good question. There was a... That whole wedding scene was something. Yeah. Uh, that looks like something Marina Sirtis brought. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> she brought that outfit. They were like, you know what? Just wear anything. The scene, you're not... You're it don't not matter. You don't even drawing. have lines in this. Just uh, just hang out in the background, and she chose something that is so nine-deuce, I can't even tell you. They just gotta... 
they've just got to pan across the faces of every extra, every ensign that's in there that was canonically just getting up complete eyeful of the walks out of trouble. That's right. Lots of reaction stuff. Now remember everybody, Majel's naked. Whatever that means to you. <laughs> Whatever your character thinks about that. <laughs> they didn't want to say all all you look grossed out because you know Majel's right there. So they're just like, now remember, big reaction, Majel's naked. So I think there are some people going, Whoa, that's so great. And then there are some people Oh, that she's are... really she's really figured out a way to stick it to this uh, <laughs> uptight campio here. <laughs> My character hates him. It's very cheeky the way she is exposing her naked body to all of us. My character ran into Campio in the hall, and Campio was quite rude. Is it okay? Is it, can we say that in the show? No, I don't have lines. Okay. Um, yeah, that's it for me. That's all the quick ones. What about you? Um, I thought they said they were going to the Messalina system. That didn't make a lot of sense to me since she was executed and all mention of her was stricken from the public record. But no, I guess it was Mo Selena. Uh, I said this better not be an episode about learning to appreciate your parents when Troy took Alexander's hands and said, held both of his hands, by the way, and said, one day you'll learn to appreciate your parents. But mm. no, it wasn't. No. Nope. Um, do you think that Worf dresses Alexander in oven mitts because he's overreacting about the fire in the Gilvos Zoo? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, his entire top was oven mitts, so. <laughs> um, I kind of want to get a screenshot of him now. Hold on, I'm going to put Alexander TNG cost of <clears throat> I was looking at the green, his green outfit from the first scene when I wrote that. <laughs> I do like that it's dark forest green on dark forest green. Yes, it's just a good choice in the nineties. Someone had That's to what put the A's all did. of these pieces of clothing together. That's what the A's did in the nineties too. They said we're going to change from that that hot that hot green that everybody loves to like a a real dark forest green. <laughs> yep. God, that's a terrible look with his little matching boots. What's up with the boots? Hey, yeah, can we have a? Come on, once and for all, we gotta figure this out. <laughs> What's up? What's with, with the, boots? the tights? Like the tights into the boots? Why is that like, the look? Why? Why is Alexander wearing the forest green Marissa? Why is, is he wearing a, a Marissa in forest green? What's? <laughs> why did they think that's how people should dress? I'm you want? So okay, here's a one potential confused. theory. Programming a replicator actually pretty complicated. Yeah, and most you thought, people oh, just I'm pick have some all these stuff. options. I got so many options. I'm going to crush this, right. and you go in there. You can fucking... make it do anything you want, but it takes like five hours to program in an actual piece of clothing. Ninety minutes so later, you're like, looking at green oven mitts, going, "Fuck just, yes!" Like, they just flip through the book, and they're all, "All right, you're wearing the Marissa now." Like now, I'm looking at all these pictures of Alexander. This is a Navy on Navy Marissa. Right yeah. here that I'm seeing them in. This one is a maroon Marissa. Just from a, from a production standpoint, where were they getting these boots in all these different colors? <laughs> That's a very good question. These shitty little ankle boots. God damn it. <sighs> great. Um, the uh, happy couple here, they met each other. They ain't even cybered. No. They just did a real good match.com. 
Yeah. I mean, everyone's pretty appalled about it. So the juggler at the Free Spirit Colony. Mm. He's not the dad from Modern Family. But like... <laughs> no. <laughs> he's that type of dude. You, yeah. He's a... He's a real Ty Burrell type. Thank you for remembering the actor's name. Yes. For sure. Um, Hey, Gene was cold and in the ground like two months when they shot this, right? Yeah. So all this stuff about being alone was probably pretty easy to tap into for Majel Barrett. Yeah. Yeah. But he was pretty probably pretty close to the surface for her. Probably all that stuff about settling, too. Majel marrying yep. someone because... Because that's, I'm sure, why she married Gene. <laughs> I mean, there's no other reason to do it, so... At one point, Data or Ensign Rager or somebody announces that they've lost attitude control. Yeah, yeah. That's got to be one of the least important things that can go wrong on a starship in deep space, right? Yeah, you're just going to be like, in deep space anyway. <laughs> I guess it's embarrassing if another ship rolls up and you're at a weird <laughs> angle. <laughs> Float but, through space and your nacelles are down or something and your, your right. fucking deflector dish is pointing straight up or whatever. But who gives a shit? Yeah. As long as you're going but the right way, I mean... These guys have already been caught uh, giving battle with a ship of lesser design, so they should be used to being embarrassed in this place anyway. <laughs> the way the Fringy throws that in his face, too. <laughs> we saw a ship you. ship of lesser design. <laughs> Engaged in combat with a ship of lesser design. And you fucking, Picard's blood fucking boils right there. Yeah. Oh, they fucking got us. You got that fucking redhead in the back who's soon to be dismissed entirely. He saw Somebody me with my bad in. lieutenant back there, too. Oh, <laughs> fuck. It's, my, it's like my ninth best lieutenant they saw. He saw the redhead back there. Oh, you're not supposed to see a ginger on my bridge. Oh, why couldn't it have been... Uh, oh, uh, uh, Oswald. Yes, Oswald. Why couldn't it have been Diedrich Bader? Diedrich Bader. Why couldn't it have been Diedrich Bader? Ah, uh, it could have been my seventh best lieutenant, Diedrich Bader. Ah, oh, shit. This is my worst. Uh, the copy of my worst. And then I wrote, holy shit, had no one thought of running a mass spectrometer analysis on the jam? Was Riker trying to set up an easy one for Geordi there, where he'd go, we've already run one and it's inconclusive, but maybe an isomer array. But then <laughs> but then it was just, oh yeah, we should. Riker said we should, we should run that. a mass spectrometer analysis on that and no one said yeah of course you idiot see that's why Riker plays this game because <laughs> if it goes the way he thinks it's gonna go he's a team player and everyone appreciates yeah. it and if it doesn't he's smart <laughs> oh shit you know? did you hear when Riker hey Riker said a smart thing today Riker said the thing well, about intentionally the, um, some I mass, think so man uh, it made sense and, and everyone was like oh no, no that's a pretty good idea and they did it and it fucking helped so Keep an eye on him. I mean, so it's either that or it's just like in the intro when Picard suggested using the particle beam from the deflector dish to blow up the asteroid because the writers had to give somebody that line. Yeah. That's one of those two things, probably. But also, he learned everything that Riker knew about <laughs> that deflector dish. That is true. Oh, wait, he's not in the cutest anymore. He already not knew like that plan. anymore. <laughs> I gave best actor to exasperated about Luoxana Wharf. Yeah. Yes. And worst actor to pick your free spirit. Uh, yeah. The uh, two that are arguing with each other, the juggler who eats his worlds, the higher, the fewer. 
Yeah. Can't really give worst actor to the bubble guy. Uh, to the bubble guy or the sexy dancer. Sexy have dancer. Lines. Yeah, it didn't say much, did she? Except no. with her she body just, language. She just had to have like too much uh puff paint on her. Yeah, to cover her uh butt cracks and bushes and labia and stuff and, and nips. Yeah. All the parts. Those are all the parts, right? Crack. All the ones I know the names of. Bush labia. <laughs> Nips. Yep. I can't wait to download this episode tomorrow and find out what you've titled it. <laughs> <laughs> what was last week's title? La Crushdo? La Crushdo. <laughs> uh, was that last week's title? Last week we were on the Sea of Thieves. Oh, well, you know what I mean. Last yeah, uh, Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Um, scores are in. Scores are in. Oh, well, uh, I, you know what? I didn't do the math, but, um, all these episodes fucking suck. Yeah. Uh, last place with 12 points, Equinox Part 2. Sure. Terrible. Uh, second place this week with 16 points, Cost of Living. Hated it. Terrible episode. The surprising winner... An episode I did not enjoy at all. Sure. Awful. Deep Space Nine Blaze of Glory got 21 points. You can see um, exactly why. Look at the one green square this week. Yeah, world building. Got eight the end points of the for world building. That's six more than the other episodes got each. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you do it. <clears throat> uh, for you, this was this is showing up in red with an underline for your yeah, average of eight. So That's lowest 10%. It's definitely me. a bad one, and mine is not much better at eight and a third points. Uh, it was a bad execution week with an average of three. So that's the weekly score, which means there are only two episodes in that category, but you only have to go back to week 114 to find the week that I gave an average of 6.33 points, <laughs> yeah. which was my give, worst of all time. I gave 6.6 six thirds. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, gave hey, a that wasn't a one good additional one. point, I think. That is uh, the week that Powerplay won with a, g- a great score of 15 points. 15, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, that is the, tough. I think the uh, minimum winner score was Powerplay. I mean, Powerplay with that 15. It's very hard to score fewer than 15 and win. You can only do it now because we're down to three episodes per week. So you might yeah. just get three stinkers like we did again this week. Jesus. <sighs> next time. Actually, next. Yeah, next Dang, episode next you hear. Yeah, because we're doing be, the other ones right now. We'll be a Star Trek episode with probably a pretty brief mailbag at the front. Yeah, two weeks from uh, now. We're taking the week off next week. You. F- okay, I won't, I won't insult the listener. <laughs> <laughs> we will be discussing the perfect mate. Uh, yeah, uh, Famke Jansen, Famke however Jansen. that should be pronounced. Uh, we will be discussing Empok Nor. Exciting. Very exciting stuff. <clears throat> yeah. And the, uh, for Voyager, which, again, is now in season six. And I get to describe this one. Survival Instinct. Great. Maybe we'll see another I mean, big CGI bug. You tell me, know. would you rather describe Survival Instinct or Barge of the Dead? I mean, Survival Instinct, for sure. Okay. <laughs> 100%. Yes. I'm, 
Uh, but I do have to do Tinker, Tenor, Doctor, Spy after that. Yeah, but then I've got one called Alice. <laughs> and I okay, don't okay, okay. Love but that. riddles. Yeah, okay. Riddles but then I've is gonna got be bad. Dragon's teeth. All right, but I got one small step. What kind of dumb? Okay, but then bullshit. I've got the Voyager conspiracy. <laughs> They're all so bad. Every single one I hear, I go, oh, no. But I actually I do feel pretty good because I don't know what Pathfinder is, but you get Fairhaven. Eat shit, Fairhaven buddy. Fairhaven seems worse. But then that's a big win for me. Yeah, I know which one that is, and that's not great. So, yeah, but they're all I bad. Virtuoso. Well, it's, you also get Tsukatsu. I do get And Tsukatsu. you know that might be the one I've been waiting for with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. So. Is Dwayne the Rock Johnson in Tsukatsu? I think in that week... might be the one. 133. 133 so next week will be week 120 yes um, <laughs> next year sometime or whenever we get to it <laughs> so next year we might get to Dwayne the Rock Johnson uh, hey guys we've been doing this since 2016 it's 2023 just a little reminder for you yeah all right um send us mail there the mailbags currently our current plan is to keep incorporating them into the Star Trek episode because they're so light it doesn't matter we can just and also we can just take those other weeks off. Yep, and then we get a week off. So if you don't send us more mail, if there's nothing substantial for us to do, we're just going to keep doing that. Uh, that's at Brother Date on the Twitter machine, Brothers of Brother You can go to Brother Check out Landrew; he's fucking bright red these days. Just so much red. <laughs> I mean, we had a TNG just had a pretty good three episode run until Cost of Living, and then it did pull up to a screeching halt. Yep, no, they've tanked again. Um, and then uh, podcatchers, think about it for a second. The higher, the fewer. I'm not going to make that our sign-off. It's We're still doing the other one. As you believe, so shall you do. So shall you do. As you believe, As you believe so, shall so shall you, you do. do. Show yourself, Gorgon. Cal Hudson, he got shot in the butt and died. Uh, it's embarrassing. And uh, also... He went um, out like a real chump. I hope nobody shoots me. Also, oh no, I got shot. It's me, Michael Eddington. Oh, Rebecca. Please subscribe.